Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome back to our watch club for Star Wars Ahsoka. Perhaps this is where a ronin such as you belongs. Today, victory is mine. Long live the Empire. Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Star Wars Ahsoka Part 8, the finale, titled The Jedi, The Witch, and The Warlord, directed by Rick Famuyiwa. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we're all left stranded in another galaxy, let me introduce you to the Rebel crew joining me today. First up, as always, he is no Jedi. He's Justin the Lothcat Lawrence. Purr, baby. I'm ready to chat. <laughs> You've been purring, purring up a storm over there. I've been hearing it. Uh, you know, it's funny. They, they actually put out the name of, of that Lothcat. His, his name is Merle. Uh, and there's a really wonderful lo-fi video if you want to purr along just like justin has been you can check that out on the star wars youtube uh but listen docking down declaring droid in dank pendants he's darcy the dank and dead dathomurian hudson i I sure hope not because when they come back they don't come back you know the same (laughs) also i gotta say nate your 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 thrawn is not nearly as like imposing or it doesn't have the same gravitas as as Lars. How am I? I, There's no possible way to compete with the Lars Mickelson, but, uh, you know, I try my best. I think I do better impressions than one of our other co-hosts, Kevin, but uh, we'll see what he (laughs) thinks when he listens to this. Uh, But last and and certainly not least, uh, I knew I felt a presence like shadows in a starlight. He's the Kyber finding Kenobi kid, Klein, the foreboding force felt. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I, I feel like a wrestler coming out of the ring. Thank you guys. Um, I'm a, I am a stokad to be here. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. Listen, it's the first time. It might be the first time you're hearing this, Justin Klein. You're on another podcast. I've heard that that you've maybe used that a few times. Okay, if that wasn't the first time, that's okay, a good, that's okay. Much. But it is going to be the last time. You know, I've got to. Yes. It's that's my thing. You got to get every ounce of juice out of that comedic orange you possibly Absolutely. can because we're gonna have to put it away. We don't know if a season two is coming. Deadline's all uh, like, it's in conversation or whatever. Come on, like yeah, I, I gotta so. get, I gotta do squeeze it. Squeeze that orange, man. Chance. I got you. Squeeze I got you. that <laughs> orange. Squeeze that orange. That is Ahsoka's uh, orange face. But uh, Klein. Uh, this is your first time on the Geek Centric podcast. Uh, we, you know, for the most part, we know you, but for those who don't, uh, who are you? Uh, I know you have a couple podcasts that you host, as I mentioned. Uh, so who are you? What are you all about? Hello, uh, I'm Klein. I feel like it's the first day, like kindergarten. I'm like, my name's Klein. I like mint chocolate chip ice cream, and my favorite yes. color is blue. Um, I'm a, I'm the senior editor over at thedirect.com. We cover here, there, and ev- everything. Ahsoka, Loki, video games, a whole bunch of fun stuff like that. And as you said, yeah, I host a couple podcasts, a Star Wars podcast called Reckless Rebellion. You can find on podcast services around the globe any video gaming podcast called Controller Club, where me and two people from 
opposite ends of the globe and tr- we podcast once a week somehow some way time zones line up for one hour every seven days <laughs> and that's what we do over there but yeah so i'm here on the, this side of the canadian border just like you guys and happy to be here excited to talk about ahsoka and everything going on yeah. well that's good to hear and i mean you mentioned that you're on a video game podcast i am super duper jelly right now because i heard that you might be playing a certain thwip thwip type of video game at this moment is that true can you at least confirm that I am I am in possession of Marvel <laughs> Spider-Man 2 and I'm playing Marvel Spider-Man 2. That is about all I can say. Okay, for fantastic. Sony might take my firstborn. <laughs> Don't want to get you in trouble. Um, but I just wanted to confirm that because we are we are uh, super stoked and really anticipating that as well. Um, but just bringing it back to Star Wars before we keep going, Klein, I want to know what is your Star Wars origin story? Ooh, oh man. Oh, I this is usually the question I ask. I never get to do it myself. <laughs> there um, you go. Well, it's I was born at a very young age. Um <laughs> it goes back to the days of Blockbuster, everyone's favorite uh video rental establishment and walk in the aisles every Friday after my uh, local small town basketball league games that I would play in. <laughs> my dad would take us over to Blockbuster. I can remember seeing, I saw, it was probably A New Hope first, um, but then I quickly went into the prequels because I'm like, what are these pictures look so much cooler? Um, but like the, the I remember, remember seeing the covers for the first time in Blockbuster and going like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And then I'm going to probably date myself. Um, I am, I'm but a babe. I'm very young. So from there, I was like, okay, I like these things, but I'm not really like fully bought in. And then a little game came out for the Nintendo GameCube called Lego Star Wars, the video game. (laughs) And I got my hands on this thing and it was just probably just the sheer breadth of all the characters in it. And looking back now, that roster is nothing compared to where Lego's Lego games have gone since then. But like, seeing everyone that's in there and like seeing Kit Fisto and seeing that name for the first time and going like, I don't know what this guy is, but I love what he's about. And like, and gonk droids and mouse droids and seeing Dexter Jester and like all these names. I just, I fell in love. And then from there it was like, I saw the Clone Wars movie. That was my first Marvel or not Marvel first Star Wars movie. I saw in theaters. It was all right. I guess Um, I infamously, had the opportunity to see Revenge of the Sith in theaters, and I chose that day to go to Madagascar instead. Uh, so... <laughs> you know, both it's, very uh, like very hot experiences. Yeah, I think you know, exactly. Hot and sweaty. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's ever ever since then, it's been one of my one of my favorite things. Leading, especially, I think for a lot of people of my age, it's especially leading into um, Force Awakens. Was that was the that was it. That was like I think the pinnacle of just like fandom in general, mm-hmm. um, for me for anything that I've experienced, where it was just like that lead up was so special, and it turned me from a Star Wars like fanatic into somebody who just eats this for breakfast now. And so, right. it's from there we've had ups and downs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> some really high highs, some really low lows. Um, but it's that's all that's all part of being a Star Wars fan. Absolutely. You get on your shiny colored moped and uh, drive off with your friend. (laughs) To tell another story in the middle of another show. Like, (laughs) 
you know it's it's all it's all there but it's but it's all star wars uh and klein i love that you discovered your love of star wars through the gamecube and through the you know toys through lego uh that's super awesome i love that um, let's, let's kind of get into things just before we do though. I do want to quickly pause just to remind everyone listening that we here at Geekcentric support SAG-AFTRA as they strike to get the contract they deserve. We are stoked, uh, for the contract that, uh, that was won, uh, by the, uh, the WGA and, uh, the Writers Guild and they were able to get what, what they deserve. So we're, we're, you know, we're, we're also, uh, in support of SAG-AFTRA and hope that they also can, can figure it out because, uh, without incredible actors, we wouldn't get all the wonderful stories like these ones from a galaxy far, far away that we love so much. So if you want to support the actors of the things we love, you can do so by checking out the links in our description. Uh, but let's get into part eight, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Uh, I mean, uh, the Jedi, the witch, and the <laughs> warlord. Um, <laughs> we start this finale uh, atop the fortress, still lovingly embraced by the Chimera. Uh, Morgan informs Thrawn that the cargo transfer is now complete, and Thrawn commands Enoch to bring, uh, bring the Eye of Scion out of high orbit so they can begin the interlocking procedure. Uh, he also tells Enoch to dispatch two TIE fighters to engage Ahsoka's ship. Morgan tells Thrawn there is little the Jedi can do now to stop them, and Thrawn tells her not to underestimate you know, the rebellion, and, and that even he felt victim, uh, has fell victim to the heroics of a single Jedi. He says, never again. Uh, the great mothers then express their gratitude to Morgan by having her pledge herself to becoming a fully-fledged knight sister. Uh, with the ceremony complete, Morgan's eyes are black. She's got those sick tattoos, uh, and she accepts the gift of shadows, the blade of Talzin. She lifts the sword as it ignites in green flames. She bows to her fellow sisters. Thrawn looks on as the two TIE fighters take off, framing him in between them. Uh, so let's talk about Morgan finally going from a char Charmander to a Charizard, uh, if you will. Uh, Klein, what did you think of this ceremony and the Blade of Talzin being gifted to Morgan? Well, I, I haven't been the biggest fan of Morgan, um, to be completely honest. I think that she Same. has been done a bit of a disservice. I've said this a few times in various times throughout the season on various different places i think she's been done a bit of a disservice as a villain just being surrounded by so many good like better villains <laughs> true in mm -hmm. Ron and balin and shin this ceremony is cool i have to admit i thought i was like she's gonna get murked like this is it like she is about to die she didn't um she did. there's nothing cooler than samurai swords on fire like that's yeah. just the coolest thing ever so seeing that was neat i have watched all the clone wars i'm not like I don't have the encyclopedic knowledge that some of my cohorts do on Clone Wars. So I didn't immediately pop going, oh my gosh, it's from that, it's Mother Talzin and all that. Um, I now have like read up and gone, oh, okay, I understand why this is special. I think it was neat. I think that, as I said, there's nothing cooler than samurai swords being on fire and we got that here. So I'm happy. Yeah, no, I... I... I love when when the great mothers call Morgan forward and like you can kind of see in her face. She's kind of like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's happening. Like, be cool. Be cool. Like, be cool. Be chill. Um, but but I thought it was I thought it was a, a really cool way for them to kind of give her character sort of the oomph that she needed in sort of this last section. Uh, and the fact that it's the same creed. Uh, you know, that we saw with Mother Talzin and Asajj Ventress and the Clone Wars. Uh, and just, like, 
I think for me that what really stood out with this sequence was just the sound design, the the moaning of the the sisters, and like at one point I hear like almost like a didgeridoo sound <laughs> going off a few times. Uh, I think Kiner kind of worked the score so damn good here, and uh, I don't know. I just maybe it's the fact that we're in October. And there's also a lot of like spooky moments in this episode, but like, I give me Star Wars Halloween. Like, I want like Werewolf by Nightwolf or something. You know what I mean? Or or, or Night or sorry, Werewolf by no Loth Wolf by by Night Sister. I think it's what I meant to say. Um, that joke tanked. Justin, what yeah, about yourself? Not that joke well. did not oh. execute well. Um, I, I'm with you, Klein. I think that you know Morgan's been surrounded by such great villains that it kind of has knocked her down a few pegs and has taken a bit of the wind out of her, even from her first introduction in Mandalorian season two, when we saw her face Ahsoka for the first time. Uh, here, it was great to see a sense of pageantry and her kind of get this this sort of induction into the the Night Sister family into, as Nate say, kind of fangirl for a little moment. Watching it a second time, there's such a huge focus about giving her these powers, the Gift of Shadows and, and the Blade of Talzin, only to, you know, inevitably where she ends up at the end of this episode. I don't know if this needed to be as big of a a sort of moment given where she inevitably lands at the end of the episode. Yeah, to me, it just seems like this was all part of Thrawn's plan. Like it wasn't the Night Sisters or the Great Mothers who decided to bestow this upon her. He said, mm. "Do this because we're going to need some extra muscle to hold these Jedi back." Sure. Because again, that's he's not taking any chances him. now, and that's why he's there and just. He's there every step of the way. They're never doing something on their own. He's always the one kind of in the shadows or right in the open there being like, do this, please, because we'll need it later on. So I, again, I I feel like she's been upon this whole season and I feel like that was her role. So she served it well. It's just it's, it's disappointing that she was so cool when we last saw her Mandalorian and this is what she's been reduced to over <laughs> the course of the season. I almost would have preferred, just like jumping off you there, Justin, if she had been murdered by the great mothers here like mm, if yes. that was what if they if they needed to like drain her life force or something like that that would have given her to me a little more use in this episode rather than just being something for ahsoka to mow through later yeah uh i would have we have other characters in this series that don't get play at all in this finale until the absolute very end that i think would have been much better placed as kind of a final confrontation at the very end rather than having Morgan there I, I I think that her character would have been almost served better had she died here it would have been more tragic because then us looking going she did all this work she bought in she was like I'm doing this for Thrawn we need to get him back we need to get him back and then for him to ultimately just kind of throw her to the wayside even more so like just by like completely offing her right there and then I think it would, would have been a more effective story choice mm -hmm. had that happened than where we ultimately go where we get to at the end of this episode mm -hmm. I don't know I just I feel like I feel like she was a miss yes. um, in a series where that hit a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I will say, like, we're going to get to some stuff that I think was probably, for me, the best that I've ever had with her character yes. and, like, where oh, I yeah. think she shines. But um, I do want to just shout out the, the moment with Thrawn uh, talking to her and just, like, um, when, when he mentions the assumptions made by previous Imperial officers, um, probably referring to, to Price from the... From, uh, you know, the Rebel series and killed Kanan and, and what have you, but also his own failings with Ezra. Um, I think it's just, it's cool to see how focused this guy is on 
like every little detail, no matter how seemingly small. And I think that's what makes him such a threat, right? Compared to what we see in Andor with him, uh, you know, they, a fledgling rebellion is able to take down the Empire because they are uh, maybe a little too fat and a little too comfortable and, and they're not paying attention to all these things. Whereas Thrawn is just... He's, he's just so calculated and just thinking about all these small little details that even Morgan herself is kind of just like, yeah, they can't stop us now. And he's like, nah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be so sure. Um, but, uh, oh, and one last thing I wanted to just shout out was the, um, a couple moments of the cinematography in this section as well. I think the shot opening up with the chimera over top of the fortress, I think still looks awesome. I know, Klein, you've mentioned in, on your podcast that you think it's uh, a little too sexual <laughs> in nature. I kind of like I it. Just, it looks really uncomfortable. I don't know. It looks like they're giving this thing a lobotomy. I'm just I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> I mean, I dig it. I don't know what that says about me. But, um, but uh, I also wanted to mention the shot of Thrawn with the TIE Fighters flying by him like if that is not like a Mondo poster or, or something like that like in the future like it just it, I can't wait to see him as the Thanos of Star Wars and I think that's just like that moment for me was like let's let's get it let's go I think it's also that moment that kind of Darcy was was touching on you know it's all part of the plan you know mm-hmm. the the tie fighters taking off that's part of the plan watching morgan get inducted and getting getting these powers as to the point that you're making darcy it was all part of the plan from the get go it's almost as if he brought her in to the circle and was like night sisters you know did you want to yeah. say something here yeah, at this point talking, like you know yeah exactly before, remember what we talked too about late. yeah exactly <laughs> so i think that it it sort of it all just adds to this um moment for for Thrawn, that one shot of just everything's going according to plan. And uh, Dave Filoni, if you're listening to this and you heard my horrible joke earlier, what I meant was is that we should get a Halloween special uh, for Star Wars. Please, please make it happen. I would be, I would just be amazing. Uh, I was kind of hoping you were going to try and say the title again. Dude, I was thinking, okay, Lothwolf by Night Sister was the joke. Anyways, um, <laughs> now that we've we've beat that like a dead con <laughs> time. Uh, back on Ahsoka's ship, Ezra argues with Hu Yang while he constructs a new lightsaber. Hu Yang asks who taught Ezra to build a lightsaber, and Sabine chimes in with Kanan Jarrus. Hu Yang tells Ezra that he taught Kanan uh, when he was a youngling back at the Jedi Temple. Uh, he hands Ezra the same emitter piece that Kanan had on his saber. Uh, as Ezra ignites his saber, Hu Yang praises him, but uh, when Ezra turns to talk to Sabine, she's gone. Ezra asks Hu Yang for more information on what happened between Sabine and Ahsoka, and Hu Yang informs him that Ahsoka feared that Sabine was training for the wrong reasons after the fall of Mandalore and the death of her family, and that she would become dangerous. Uh, So we finally got confirmation on something that I think we were all speculating about when we first learned uh, of their fallout with one another. Uh, Justin, what did you think of this reveal? Uh, And then as a group, let's talk about that new lightsaber. Or well, old yeah. lightsaber? Well, I, I, I guess it, it's new, old, whatever, but I just love as he's building it. He calls out uh, the, the blade would be too thin because I think that was like the biggest complaint for people with Rebels. Yes. Like, the lightsabers were <laughs> the lightsabers too are thin. too thin. But they were, they were so like, who was the original artist that designed um, uh, McQuarrie, right? McQuarrie's designs. Ralph McQuarrie, yeah. Ralph very McQuarrie's well, Ralph designs. McQuarrie, yeah. That whole whole all rebels is just influenced by his designs, right? Like yeah, what, I mean Zeb didn't make it. Th- yeah, exactly. Chewbacca, Zeb. right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I love those little moments, and I love that how he just sort of clicks in for Ezra. You know, he's suddenly remembering as he as he kind of builds this this lightsaber, and I love how that's you know his sort of chaotic 
artsy style of how he's building his lightsaber kind of clashes with Hu Yang's like sort of organized, meticulous method, <laughs> right? And he he kind of calls it out. You have a method versus yeah. versus him where it's very structured and it has a process to it. Ezra so, would get kicked out of uh, out of the the lightsaber building on Batu. I guarantee. Maybe you. probably. Yeah, those, he'd be jumping over to someone would else's be, thing and being be like, "Oh, I want I want this hilt and I want that." Like, yeah, probably yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I really do like that we we get this this sense of com- this confirmation about the the past and the history which to your point we we were all sort of you know circling around through different discussions and uh, uh, through these watch clubs about what happened and it just makes a lot of sense and also makes a lot of sense now too why Ahsoka went through the lessons that she did in the world between worlds with Anakin really for her to understand Sabine she had to understand Anakin and what Anakin's decision was and understand it from that perspective I think that in a lot of ways, this just gives that affirmation as to why uh, Ahsoka really needed this lesson from the world between worlds and also to have that. It's it's this sense of forgiveness that kind of runs parallel from the past and into the present. Um, and this idea of not wanting to repeat past and future things, very much as you were talking about Thrawn, he, he's meticulously analyzing the past so he doesn't make the same mistakes in the future. And I think that's very much the same thing that Ahsoka is going through through this series is understanding the past and, and the present. Um, but she comes to a great realization through this and, and I think it's, it's really special. So I love that we get this sort of confirmation of that we also get the idea that her you know that sabine's family is lost uh to the events of what happened in and uh, uh, on mandalore um, which is unfortunate and because ezra knew them well and i love i love you know talking about the idea of the thematics of master and apprentice and and the past repeating itself and the fact that hu yang uh which again shout out to freaking david Tennant, just absolutely murdering this role i just i love him so much but but uh him calling kanan caleb uh, is because of how he would have known him. Uh, and I love I love the line where he's just like, I'm old enough to know that a relationship between um, uh, between master and apprentice is as challenging as it is meaningful. It's just it's it's just it's the through line of of this series and and of this episode. Uh, and yeah, he's just so it was just so good. so good. Um, and then I also wanted to mention, um, yeah, like kind of dressing you were touching there, like ahsoka's uh, fear is what held Sabine back. But I think it's also, there were so many times where we were watching the series and going like, Sabine is being so reckless and her behavior is so like, you know, she's, she's, but I think this iteration of the character, you can sort of understand why now, why? right? Mm-hmm. Based 100%. on the fact that she lost her, her real family uh, and then her found family, she'll do anything possible to get to them. Uh, and I think the next conversation that we'll get to is, is, you know, where we can really dig into uh, a little bit more of this and, and, and her and Ahsoka's relationship and where it's come to. Uh, but was there anything else you wanted to mention before we move on? Uh, I'm just really curious what Ezra was going to say if Ahso- what Ahsoka taught Sabine. Like, what, what was he about to show her in that small cramped quarters with a lightsaber? I am so curious about that. <laughs> yeah. Did he, did he teach you how to understand Hu Yang's organization? <laughs> yeah, like, like what, what else was she going to show? He going to show? I'm so confused by that. And they don't even go back to it. No, <laughs> no. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll learn one day. Um, but uh, let's keep going here. Sabine exits onto the ship's wing uh, as it hovers along the Noti caravan beneath it. Uh, Ahsoka tells Sabine that her gamble paid off, admitting that she knew that Sabine went willingly with their enemies. Sabine apologizes, and Ahsoka says, I, I know. Uh, Sabine asks Ahsoka why she isn't mad, uh, and Ahsoka tells her that Anakin always stood by her, even when no one else did, which is why no matter what happens next, she'll be there for her. 
Ahsoka asks if she's kept up with her training, and Sabine responds that she's gotten better with her saber. Uh, and Ahsoka tells her, hey, listen, it's not all about wielding the lightsaber. There's other things. Uh, you know, train your mind, train your body, and trust in the Force. Just then, as Ezra exits uh, to tell them that he finished constructing his lightsaber, he's also proud, uh, they're attacked by two TIE fighters. As Ezra and Ahsoka use the Force to hold the ship up, Sabine blasts the T-6 into the TIEs, destroying both of them while crashing the ship into the ground. Sabine walks away and says, got him. Uh, and Ezra states the obvious, saying, this is going to slow them down a bit. And Ahsoka responds with, only if we let it. Um, so let's talk about this this heart to heart discussion between master and apprentice. Um, and and Klein, what did you think of Sabine's uh, spur of the moment to you know her decision to treat the T six like we all treated Hot Wheels as a kid? <laughs> I mean, it works. It worked. <laughs> I, yeah, it's it, it is this whole uh, this whole sequence, and I've said it throughout the series at particular moments. This felt the most rebels sequence of the whole episode. I think mm -hmm. like this to me is like rebels ultimately comes down to that family and that heart and, and those smaller moments where it is just two people talking back and forth. I really liked the conversation that they have here and it does feel very much like that relationship is fully mended. And this does feel like a different Ahsoka. And I think that's really mm -hmm. evident here at the beginning of this series. I'm sitting here going is Rosario Like I love Ahsoka a lot is Rosario. This is a different kind of character. And then you start to kind of, okay, like she's been through a lot. She's, she's got her guard up. She's being Joel from the last of us. Uh, <laughs> but then her heart, her icy heart slowly melts and she begins to understand like, okay, no, this is, this is where I went wrong. And this is how I can fix that. And you start to get glimpses of that here. And yeah, this maneuver, it's its great. It works every time. We've seen it a few different times. Just cut through the thing. It's the Holdo maneuver. Just tone down a little <laughs> bit. Like, uh, Sound design was not as great as it was in The Last Jedi, but yeah. hey, we got the, it we got the, the Millennium the, Falcon sound. The Millennium Falcon engine. <laughs> well, that was, yeah, it was yeah, perfect. Yeah. It was perfect. I, I couldn't agree more with you, though, Klein. Like, I think that this is the conversation that we have been waiting all season for. For these two characters to to have to to mend that relationship with a sense of honesty and sincerity that that we know that they're capable of, you know, clearly Sabine is still reckless as she just drives the ship through two Tie Fighters. Like I couldn't believe that she did it, but then I was like, oh, it's Sabine. Like it it kind of makes sense. She would do it. yeah, exactly. Just it, to me, it was like her. It was her testing the promise that Ahsoka just <laughs> made to her. Like she gives her that look as she walks by sure. her, like. Like you promised, so sure, I guess. with me. I don't know. I got the free ticket to do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, right now. This is what I'm going to do. To me, it was just like that, that conversation was, you know, Sabine coming to the realization that her master believes in her, and that's yes. all she needs to make that next step forward, mm. so that she can believe in herself and stuff like that. And it was really cool. Again, like you said, Klein, this is the most rebels feeling moment. I, I earlier in the season, I was saying how much I hated some of the one-on-one -on -one interactions between the characters because it felt so forced and, and not familial, like we're used to in Rebels. But this one again brings it right around where you, we see that mending, and they they're on the same page now. And what comes next is just so great. So I I love this this whole little moment in sequence so well yeah, really good it really does hammer home the relationship of a master and apprentice and how an apprentice can be lost without the sort of appreciation or gratification of of their master saying 
what they need to say to them in that moment. You know, I think Sabine has been looking for that for for so long. And Mm -hmm. I I know Ahsoka, it seems like Ahsoka has been holding herself back again because of her past, because of her relationship with Anakin, which, you know, now obviously that has mended, that has come sort of a full circle where she can kind of, you know, be at peace with that, that she can now go to Sabine in this moment, recognize, understand where Sabine is in her journey in relation to where she was and create a parallel and an alignment that says that I got you. You know what I mean? And I think that that's all that Sabine wanted was, was, was Ahsoka to stand in her corner. And I, I think it was just great. It, it was such a, as you said, Klein, it was such a f- sort of familial family moment that just harkens back to the, the best parts of Rebels. Well, and I mean, speaking of harkening back, like shout out to Filoni for just including some of those yeah. uh, little dialogue touches of of I know, of, I I know. or um, when Sabine says try and then says she does, uh, just you know straight from from Master Yoda. Um, I just I like all these little callbacks because they're to me they're they're those nostalgic kicks that just fit perfectly within the context of that situation as opposed to other moments that we may have seen in previous Star Wars series where it's like hey look a do-back's there cool like it's like why is there a do-back there what you know why did that have to happen uh here I think it just makes a lot more sense and I I love that uh, I think it was I think it was Eric Voss who said that I know is essentially Star Wars for I love you uh, (laughs) in that moment so it's (laughs) it's so you know like again given the conversation that they're having and the sense of, of of a family, you can kind of see how that's how that's there. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Sabine being a, a dangerous, reckless uh, Padawan, I think, is very reminiscent of another Padawan uh, that we'll be talking about uh, at some point uh, near the end of this episode. Um, but let's let's keep it moving here. Enoch informs Thrawn uh, of the outcome of the Tie Fighters. And as Thrawn determines his enemy's options, which I love that it always looks like he's like, if I could play a board game, Darcy, with Thrawn, I know I would lose, but it would be pretty freaking awesome. It'd be um, risk. I'd be, it'd be risk. That's what he'd be playing. Or or lose like by that. turn two. Like you'd have lost at turn <laughs> yeah, two. Exactly. And he would just been like, this has just been all he'd be a rule, into my head. He'd be a Dude. rule king. He'd well, be like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> Before we go any further, when he, when Enoch yeah. informs him about the, the TIE fighters, he says, mm-hmm. okay, rate the captain up for citation. <laughs> What did the cat? What did they do wrong? He yeah. sent the two tie fighters out, and they got shot down. What's? How is the captain at fault there? Yeah, they didn't get shot down. They got no, they got destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know if there's even bodies. Like they can't even bring anything home. Right? Oh, it's just yeah. like what did that? What did the captain of that squadron the captain do? Captain should have prepared citation? them better. I don't know. Um, but uh, <laughs> reinforce the hull. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but he commands Enoch to prepare for a ground assault immediately. Uh, and Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra ride on howlers towards the fortress uh, and the Chimera. Morgan commands a group of night troopers to go with the blessing of the Great Mothers. As Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra ride towards the fortress, Thrawn commands the rain of hellfire upon them. As massive turbo lasers fire on them, the ground around them explodes. Uh, and they all use the force to open the fortress door. Inside, they face off against a large group of night troopers, and they manage to defeat them all pretty swiftly. Uh, But as the Great Mothers chant, the bodies of the night troopers begin to crack and jerk back to life. They begin to groan and scream as they reanimate to life over and over again. After almost being overrun, they manage to fend them off and seal the blast doors, allowing them to hear the Eye of Scion beginning to latch onto the Chimera. Uh, so, you know, I think the first of some 
incredible action sequences in this episode. And Darcy, like, what did you think of zombie troopers? We finally got them. They're here. We had a hint with Merrick, but now we've got zombie troopers. How are you feeling? I mean, it's awesome. It's we we we've wanted this since the since they were rumored back in like you know Mandalorian season two or whatever when we saw those the the clones or the the cages uh, the tanks of whatever, but. Seeing zombie stormtroopers is great. I'm a sucker for you know broken and, and used stormtrooper armor. I think that's one of my favorite so cool. you know visuals in Star Wars. Whenever it's weathered and cracked. And first we got these cool like again the the kit, Kitsugiri or whatever with the gold patching and then yeah. the red tape. And now we're getting zombies inside that armor. These are the coolest form of stormtroopers you you can ever get. So I'm 100 percent on board for that. And again, this whole sequence when they that when they were fighting together and, and the way that they just. As soon as uh, Sabine is starting to struggle, so it's like, go back to the blasters. You're strong with them. Hold our backs, big mm. thing. And that's when Ezra's able to jump forward. He pulls the last two people into Ahsoka. That was like, cool. Flawlessly functioning as a team. That was, that was really, really cool, cool combat. Yeah. That was sick. That, that was just, that moment, I was like, oh! <laughs> like, yeah, it was like, hype, yeah. get off the, the seat, raise your fist in the air moment. Mm -hmm. um, little, I will so say, it cool. did feel a little clunky leading into it, though. Mm. You know, just because mm -hmm. as they were standing there, and it just... I mean, zombies have that clunky, like, Justin. They're no, but not, so not the zombies. Spencer Sabres a yeah. couple times that are... Yeah, it so like... It, it just seemed more choreographed. Like, she didn't seem like she was entirely comfortable with the choreography right when they were getting blasted by the stormtroopers also did you notice those stormtrooper who like slipped on the stairs like, yes like, slipped and then got back up and <laughs> but were, like, he was a zombie <laughs> justin i think it's okay oh, they're allowed to slip no no it was, no not it was, at that point before i'm talking okay. about before they go to zombies okay, okay. they're only oh. human you gotta leave those little slip-ups and that's part of star wars how do we know that they are not zombies initially in the room yeah and they became super zombies not that yeah that's a very good point i had assumed that these this army was the crew of the Chimera that died in the battle, like, like the, it was everyone who staffed that ship mm -hmm. that died in the final kind of rebel. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Climax. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I, I'm like the one thing too is like there's obviously there's been some visual giveaways that haven't really been confirmed or or denied, but I think that you know with Merrick's death and the way that he kind of spewed that green, I think it's safe to say that there was some sort of resurrection power that was at work with with giving him, and he's probably an inquisitor of some kind from the past. Mm. But you know, you know, coming into you know, with these stormtroopers, you know, in last week's episode when they were fighting, there was a lot of people saying, oh, well, they're getting slashed and, and blasted. There's no green smoke. So I guess it's safe to assume that they're not zombies. And then here you have Morgan asking them, like, almost permission, getting their approval uh, to be volunteers. And it's interesting because do they need to, like, commit and and uh, basically agree to become zombies for them? It's like to when you invite a vampire into your house or something exactly. like that, like that kind of rule. Like, do they have to welcome that spirit in, yeah. in a way? Um, because I thought that was really, really intriguing that like there was this sense of like, have they been, you know, they, they're they're willing to make the sacrifice or they're they're willing to go through. I can't remember the term that was used, but the idea that there was a sense of like they, they were asked if they would be willing to take part. And they said, sure, yeah, let's let's do this thing. But to your point, it, it does make a lot it, like it's nine years. What happened to all these stormtroopers? Are they all dead and just, you know, kind of resurrected? Or is it is it that they they kind of banded together and found a sense of leadership behind Thrawn because he kept them alive, quote unquote. You can only live off so much noti crab meat, Justin. I exactly. Think, you know, like that's, for sure. <laughs> those guys, those little freaks, probably don't feed a lot <laughs> if you find them. You know, they're not eating them. Don't say that, <laughs> my sweet little boys. It's sentient oh. species. I think eat the dogs or whatever. Oh, the dog no, horses. No. <laughs> um, I I wanted to ask you guys. 
do you think that is this Thrawn's plan? The, is these the night troopers is this the idea that i'm going to build an army that just can never die yeah i, I mean i was going to say this for a bit later on but I, I just quick answer is yes i totally think this is part of his plan mm-hmm. yeah he's yeah. did again this will i'll get into it later on thrawn is the one character where i feel like i have the most idea of what his goal is so interesting, interesting. okay interesting. Yeah, yeah yeah we'll 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 chat about that for sure but no i i think I, I agree with you, Darcy. Uh, there's also other plans of uh, afoot uh, that we'll get to that I think may- maybe are not always like totally his. Um, but I did want to uh, just mention like the screams coming from their helmets, uh, yeah. like the microphone peaking at one point. I think again, just I'm like Star Wars horror. Like it can totally work. Uh, and we've done the fantasy. We've done the political stuff. Like now let's try other genres. Uh, I, I just, I, I can't wait. Um, but I also want to just go back for a second um, to the sequence when they're riding on the howlers uh, and Klein, I think your co-host coined them as platypups. Is that what, yeah. <laughs> is that what he calls them? <laughs> they kind of look like platypus wolves. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Weird bills. Yeah. yeah. Platy yeah. pups reminds me of something straight out of like Avatar, like the last airbender. <laughs> like I think, I think yeah. platypups. Uh, but dude, seeing them right in was just insanely cool. The, the, the cinematography, like the low angle shots as these explosions are going on all around them. It was just, it's some of the most cinematic stuff that I think I've ever seen on Disney plus anything. Uh, and it's it's the kind of sort of shots that I want from live action Star Wars series more often. Like I watching this, I'm like, this isn't this is the movie. This is a movie moment. This is the movie budget. Uh, and so if that's what we can expect from Filoni's movie, awesome. But also, let's do it even more in these live action shows. I, I just thought it looked so incredible. I don't know. You couldn't see the seams, which was nice. Like it's there's been we've had so many instances and I keep going back to like one of those early chases in Book of Boba Fett where like it looks like they're running on a set. Like it just the way that it, these walls look like they are made of plywood and you could knock them over. And this to me felt as you said, it felt like a movie. It felt like I was at the movie theater. It didn't feel like TV which Disney Plus, obviously, you've got Disney behind it, a multi-billion dollar company, whatever. Like, they can put the money into it. Um, It's just a matter of allotting those resources and making it. And to me, like, this looked great. I've been pretty anti-volume for a long time. The only instances I've really liked it have been in the Batman. I just... I. I find it dead. You can tell like the difference between Andor and Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, totally. one of these was shot at a place and the other was shot in a room with a For big sure. screen behind them. Mm-hmm. And this to me, you can tell is all volume stuff, but it didn't bug me. It, it it's, did the way that this is lit, the way that the visual effects have seamlessly blend into it as well. It just, it felt, it felt real. Yeah, for such a small moment, they gave it the right amount of attention or allotment of, of visual effects budget to make it look good and, and not cheesy. Um, I also think what I really loved about this this whole moment, you know, while you're seeing them sort of avoid these blasts, you know, they intercut Thrawn's face, who's who's just kind of like making like these eyes, sort of like he's like kind of like moving his lips because he he's trying to like he's like hit them, just blast them, just like one of them needs to like get hit, and then yeah. that's it. That's all he was like. You could see in his eyes that, and then when they made it through, he like kind of relaxed and he's like, okay, all right, stage Next two. Step. Next yeah. step. Let's yeah. let's move into that. So I think it, it was really cool that they are in in a lot of ways highlighting Thrawn's sort of 
level of urgency, but you're kind of seeing a little unhingedness, just a little. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like in the sense of like, he doesn't, he's afraid. He's afraid and he may lose control. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think what's so exciting about that is it's very early days for Thrawn, which means sure. that we're going to get Madman Thrawn at some point uh, in, in maybe the near, nearer future. Um, but, uh, but also I just want to, I'm really happy we didn't get, you know, I, I like it when characters can recognize something new that the audience is also recognizing something new. So Ahsoka saying like, has this happened before? And, and Ezra's like, this has never happened before. I'm just glad they didn't go with something like Ahsoka being like, they undie now? And Ezra responds with, they undie now? Like that would just, I, you know, I don't think that would have worked. That's my second joke. Thank you, Klein, for laughing. Uh, Morgan, <laughs> I thought it, when it happened, I thought it. I was they like, undie they, they undie now? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Morgan informs Thrawn that they are ready to depart. And Thrawn informs her that with the pace uh, in which the Jedi are advancing, uh, that she must, she, she must help them gain more time understanding what she has to do she accepts the decision and after thrawn says for the empire and walks away morgan whispers for dathomir ahsoka sabine and ezra are then stopped in their tracks by morgan and ahsoka demands that sabine and ezra continue to stop thrawn as ahsoka and morgan begin to duel sabine and ezra run into some trouble of their own with a pair of undead death knight troopers uh, or knight death troopers however you want to pronounce that uh, as the Chimera ignites its engines, Sabine is being choked out, but manages to use the force to pull her saber towards her. Uh, uh, Ezra um, and her then are able to defeat the Night Trooper, the Death Knight Troopers. Uh, she then helps Ezra to make the jump onto the Chimera using the force. He just manages to make it, uh, and as he calls out for Sabine, she hesitates. Back with Ahsoka and Morgan, Ahsoka begins to stumble as her Shoto Blade saber is cut in half. Morgan says, you'll die here alone. And Sabine surprises them by saying, not alone. After Morgan shouts, kill her, the night troopers begin to attack Sabine. And Ahsoka then finishes her duel with Morgan by taking the Blade of Talzin from her hand and slices in, slicing into her with both blades. Ezra, realizing uh, his next move, responds to a calm uh, on the body of the dead night trooper that Sabine shot. Uh, very Ezra moment. Uh, and Ahsoka calls for Hu Yang as the Chimera begins to bombard the fortress. Uh, Hu Yang shows up just in time, uh, and Sabine uh, and Ahsoka make their escape and begin their chase towards the now-departing Star Destroyer. Whew. So there is a lot to break down here, a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, what did, what did, I'll let anyone talk. What did you think of the Death Knight Troopers uh, or Sabine using the force to lift her saber and, or, or to throw Ezra like immediately after uh, and, or the, the destruction of Ahsoka's Shoto blade. Um, and of course the, I think the, like the, the most phenomenal fight choreography uh, between Ahsoka and Morgan. Uh, I'm going to throw it to anybody to, to chime in. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot to break down. Obviously, the, anytime you play the Force theme, I am going to be happy, and we <laughs> finally got it. I think that this series uh, had a significant lack of those recognizable Star Wars melodies, but that's not to say the music here wasn't like Kevin Kiner went off. Like he, the beginning of this episode is incredible. There's so many good musical moments, but anytime you can throw some John Williams in there, some rearrangement of John Williams, I'm gonna be happy. And so when uh, when um Sabine reaches out and pulls for the first time and you hear that melody it just like i get tears in my eyes anytime i hear that theme doesn't matter where it happens or when it happens um and so i was tearing up for that 
And as you said, this Ahsoka Morgan rematch is like, it is so good. Um, I'm trying. It's Morgan Elspeth's actress, Diana Lee uh, yeah. in a Santo. In a Santo. Yeah. So I found this out today. The Lee in that name is because she was raised by Bruce Lee. Yeah. <laughs> She's a great was a family friend. Yeah, yeah. And so like that's why she you think oh man like this stunt double's doing work no that is her doing that and she's like it is incredible um i've said it a couple times elsewhere written it a lot of the saber fights in this series feel the most samurai um star wars fights that we've gotten which is funny because that's that's the idea star wars was very like it was it was that was uh george lucas's thing and so getting that realized on screen is really, really cool. And there's just so many good moments. The line that you want to get out of your line is like, is great. When Ahsoka is <laughs> like, it's time to go. <laughs> and they, they leaf and land on top of the ship. Um, but yeah, this whole, it's, this is the epic climax I was hoping for in, in this finale. Uh, the finale overall, I have my issues with, but like this section in particular is where it really shines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, like that that exit is so Obi-Wan and Anakin, just the way they just fully it's trust. It's so Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's it the truly Ahsoka is. I've oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so good. I love that, the whole thing. And again, the, the, the fight leading up to it is great. I love the fact that Sabine makes a choice to stay with her master. She realizes that, that that's where she's needed right now. And it, it's so cool to for that reveal to come back. It, it, it's great. Again, Ezra putting on the armor or taking preparing to take the place of a, a trooper is so classic. I cannot I, I love that so much. I did want to just go back for a minute though to to talk about um again like the conversation between Thrawn and, and Morgan here and, and her sacrifice. I think this moment with Lars Mikkelsen, like talking about performances, the the way he pauses just before he says we require a little more time is so damn good because it's showing that he he understands the weight of what he's asking Morgan to do, right? The idea that like he's wanted nothing but to get off this planet for so long and now he's asking her to stay on this planet uh, and and most likely die, uh, which he says for the Empire. And I, I love like the, the like she Diana Lee and Asanto's yeah. just precision in the way she just says for Dathomir is mm-hmm. so good. And it just that Darcy, we were you were mentioning earlier about the concept of like, well, is, you know, Klein, you asked, is this his plan overall? I think it's the Night Sisters' plan uh, overall. I think once they get back to Dathomir, I think like if anything, I think they are the ones that have more control uh, over uh, these troopers or over you know maybe they're not troopers, maybe they're Dathomirians, they're 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 Night Sisters, what have you. But um, I, I really think that that's kind of where where we could end up. And I I think the other thing to mention too, as great as she was, even though she died in this moment, did she die? Because, like, they yeah, got magic. We, we don't know. <laughs> right? Like, they could bring her back. But, I mean, with the Great Mother say she's dead, you kind of believe yeah, people but who... Yeah, but maybe they don't want her to be, you know, maybe they're saying she's dead for, for you know, Thrawn. Maybe. You know? I, I do I do think, though, that them saying that and them not being there to actually resurrect her means that she's dead. She's gone for She dead. served her purpose. And, you know, to the point of what we were talking about at the beginning here, it was clear that, that Morgan has been used as a pawn this entire time, even when she reluctantly accepts the fact that she's going to have to be there, right? She mm-hmm. doesn't see it for the Empire. She sees it for Dathomir. That's why she's there, going to stay there. She's staying there for Dathomir. And I think that that really does highlight her own independence away from the fact of just being Thrawn's 
pawn, if you will. That that rhymed oddly. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the choreography, though, uh, unreal. Uh, you know, you know, round two between Ahsoka and Morgan, it did not disappoint. Um, to your point, Glenn, Diana Lee, she brought her her A game. You know, we got to finally see, I think, a side of her that everyone knows is there, and that has been kind of been playing as the background. She hasn't even been seen that much through this this season, and it just it goes hard in these last moments, and it's so well done, which again just makes it all like, I just wish she didn't die. You know, I just wish she didn't. You know, I wish she was stuck on there, and, and you know, it became an enemy. And or she had gotten away. Or she right? had gotten or away. Like, exactly. I, I would have. I, I, I would have maybe also have been happier if we kind of got her as this Asajj Ventress esque exactly. character mm. moving. That's forward, what I thought they were like doing. She's kind of like this yes. second in command, yes. like underling of Thrawn, yes. who yes. does the dirty work and is out there in the field while he's behind everyone else playing chess on the chessboard so that was my that was my running theory with the start was that they basically injected her with the spirit of of saj ventures oh, wow. and that that's kind of what we would unravel and i was just like oh my god this is gonna be cool i can't wait to see what her story unfolds and she dies and i'm like damn <laughs> like there goes that theory but you know again the time that we had with her I'm, it's great and and to your point nate i guess who knows if they can resurrect you know, stormtroopers. Who knows? They can resurrect anyone. And it's, it's clearly possible. resurrection is on top of their mind. But there are different levels of resurrection. That's for sure. For sure. For and sure. I think, and we don't know the properties of this planet, sure. right? Like, True. as we get to later, is like Mortis. Like, we we don't know True. what that means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And and you know, Klein. I think to your point too. Like, thinking of of almost alternate ways that they could have. You know, I I always try to think like, oh, try not to rewrite the episodes or be a writer. Yeah. We're not writers, <laughs> um, but but still, I think the 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 idea of Morgan almost like Ahsoka gets to her and then Morgan just sort of stepping aside and like pointing the way, like would have maybe been just as badass as this this incredible choreography. But I will say, this choreography brought me back to like the throne room scene in the Last Jedi, or heck, like. I would even go so far as to say it, it, it was giving me Duel of the Fates vibes. Like it's 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 it was it's so so well done. Um, but I, I I do think I I think they could bring her back. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, also, zombie troopers or zombie night troopers. Death, those death guys. Death night troopers. Death night troopers. Like uh, oh. I, I thought, thought they were like two versions of like the mountain just in body armor. Like there's a lot of Game of Thrones stuff that goes into this from a political side and a visual side, but it was really cool to see these two massive zombified death troopers that were were zombies just attack. And like that, that blade shot to the head, another throne room reference, right? Just like right through the head, Sabine was able to to do it. And I guess the, the logic applies, you know, if they're zombies go for the head. Yes, uh, you know that's that's essentially what what they're saying. So thankfully, that's that's still the case in Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was pretty cool too. I also just talk about that lightsaber shot. The lead up to it being that that Luke's Luke reference too, where it's like when we first see him again and he's really comfortable with his powers, he calls for his lightsaber and gets it, and that's what we see Sabine do here. It's awesome, awesome little callback there again. There he's he's calling back to all eras of Star Wars. Filoni is just as big a fan of as we are, and he is going to keep giving us all these delicious little callbacks because oh, so good. Well, and I'm hearing a lot of people talking about like uh, you know they're doing the thing that happened with with Ray back in the day. 
day of like, oh, how could she possibly like lift Ezra? She just lifted a force saber. Why, you know, you unlock the the force and that's that's you've got it now. And it, I, I think I, I, I have two sort of thoughts on that. Number one, um, she's finally she's finally listening to her master's advice and putting all her trust in the force. This guy that she's endangered an entire galaxy over uh, the amount of trust you'd have to have in the force to throw him onto the chimera must be immense. So mm-hmm. I think this is this is a, a clear sign that she's trusting uh, in in the force and listening to her master, which is awesome. The other thing I was wondering, and not in a weird uh, romantic, you know, relationship like the the chimera and the the fortress, um, but <laughs> in a way that like. I, I think it could really work. Like, what if what if they're a dyad in the Force? Like, her and Ezra? Like, I think them together are more powerful than we've, we've seen. And so maybe Sabine, you know, if we do get to a season two, maybe she struggles without Ezra. And, and they start to sort of realize that they, they, they're much better together than they are apart. I don't know. Maybe that's taken a little too far to bring the dyad back into things. But it feels very Filoni to to use something like the dyad to, to kind of explain away, you know, why Sabine is able to, to unlock that so quickly. I think it has something to do with family. The thing that she's been yearning for the most. It's her brother. That's in thing. You, you notice that she's strongest when she knows what's at stake, when her family's in at, at risk. Right. You know what I mean? So opening those gates, right. Uh, you know, pulling the lightsaber when Ezra was, was being tackled and using that to, to strike down the, the stormtrooper that had him, right? Like you see these moments where her powers really flourish when her family is at risk. Right. And I think that was a lot of the reason why she was able to pull that saber so quickly, uh, and, and mask that. And also why she was able to throw Ezra. And, you know, that's a classic rebels thing, you know, the rebel throw, right. They do the loop, the throw kind of thing. And I, <laughs> I love that, that, that found its way into, into this. And yes, Sabine has never done it. And even Ezra's like, I don't know if we need to be moving that fast on your training, <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, there's, there's no other hope. And I'm really glad to see that. Like, obviously we knew she was going to be able to do it, but the way the, the force theme just gets dropped as a needle drop in that moment was just, oh. was like chef's kiss. Like it all just so highlights good. it really, really well. So you, you recognize that moment that she is, as you said, Nate, fully committing and listening to the, the force and the, and, and the guidance of her, of her master. And the use of that, that force theme, I will say Klein, like I do think that Kiner has sparingly used Williams themes. We did get the force theme earlier in the season as well with Jason uh, hearing the, the waves crashing and, and what have you and hearing the, them in the world between worlds. But um, I what think moment, yeah. listen to the waves. Oh, <laughs> so good. Like, that episode. Mm. But, um, but I think, you know, I think the, the way that Kiner is working with the, the uh, working them Rebels into the, some of the overall moments of the show and the, the fact that it sort of follows the way that Filoni is just taking something nostalgic and reinterpreting it uh, is just perfect. It's so good. And I also just want to shout out uh, dismemberment. Um, please, more dismemberment with lightsabers, please and thank you. Because, like, what the heck? Like, how could you? Wh- what's with all these, like, just little cuts and things like and, and stabs? Like, no, no, no. Dismemberment. It, it was the coolest thing when Ahsoka did it. Uh, it was cool to see a night trooper or a death night trooper's head roll on the ground here. Um, I think we need more of it in live action Star Wars. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, I wanted Morgan Elspeth to be right, just right down the. Oh pole, yeah, give me, give me a mall style like sort of yeah. ooh, another Dash of Mirian legs. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, before I move on, I also got to say I'm glad Sabine finally figured out the best fighting style, which is the blaster lightsaber combo. Yeah. So I was doing in Jedi Survivor. So <laughs> I hope she, I hope she met, like brings that back as like a sort of like a two in one sort of thing that. Uh, as like Ezra? Like Ezra's yeah. original, yeah, I loved that season one. Yeah. If she ever meets Cal Kestis and they talk about like, oh they're like they're just God. the background. They're like, yeah, that is the best fighting style. You're right. It's just that'd be so cool. Um, all right, all right. Let's before we keep writing Star Wars. Uh, all, <laughs> as all power is sent towards the T6's engines, they swiftly attempt to catch up to Thrawn. Thrawn opens a channel and commands or commends Ahsoka on her efforts. Uh, he regrets that he'll never get to meet her face to face, even though he knows her because he knows her master he says one wonders just how similar you might become and that perhaps this is where a ronin such as you belongs uh, he says today victory is mine and as he proudly says long live the empire the Chim chimera blasts its way into galactic hyperspace leaving ahsoka sabine and hu yang stranded on peridia uh you know klein this is some incredible dialogue from Thrawn to Ahsoka here. Let's talk about it. I want to, I want to talk about the use of the word uh, Ronin to describe mm. her uh, and just how perfectly Thrawn this moment was. It was, I mean, yeah, as you said, perfectly Thrawn. Um, I will never forget the today victory is yeah. mine. Like this is where a Ronin like you belongs. It reminded me very different, but it reminded me a lot of like the Andor monologues yes. that we'd get from yeah. like Skarsgård where he's like, Point. I, yes. I dream and I see ghosts. Yes. Yeah. And like, so yeah. Um, but it's this moment for me, uh, following this moment is where my like issues with the show, with this finale really, really come into play. I like this kind of it is it doesn't seem very thrawn to like rub it in their face <laughs> but I It's been a long it. time I for him. I am eating it yeah, up. Exactly. Yeah. He's been waiting a long time. Yeah. Use of Ronin is really interesting. I've seen some people online actually saying that maybe they should have called this show the Ronin, like Ooh. Star Wars Ronin or whatever because it was so Ahsoka was very central but Sabine was very involved okay. and obviously we get a whole lot of other characters as well. Um, but Ronin is interesting because that's kind of what she has been. And um, it's, it's, we've been saying it for a long time, really since the end of Clone Wars. That's kind of what she's been this kind of work for hire, almost what Din Djarin was in season one of The Mandalorian mm -hmm. uh, and what he is seemingly going to be going forward after season three. It's, I like it. I, I love Japanese culture and all of that and tie, seeing the samurai influences on Star Wars is neat. Um, so just to have it actually said is is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And again, while it was incredible Thrawn and it, he sounded awesome while he was saying it, I feel like him using the word Ronin shows how he doesn't know who Ahsoka is because she is not alone. Ronin is a solo or lone warrior, and she is. She was alone. She though, was, right? but she like, isn't for now. So long. That's the big yeah. thing, yeah. though, is that she isn't now. So again, Thrawn doesn't like Jedi because they're so unpredictable. He he met Anakin when he was the brash young Jedi Knight when they had to you know, work together to try and survive on this planet. Then he worked with him as Darth Vader, and again that line, what like who knows how similar you two are type thing. Like he knows that Anakin is Vader, and mm -hmm. that was just him again being like trying to throw her off her game as much as possible in these final moments so that maybe she can't find her, her way back. But 
Yeah, and no, I just, I, I, again, I love hearing the word Ronin in it because, again, that's kind of what inspired Star Wars to begin with. And I, I love how the fact that I am now thinking that, that that's showing that Ro, uh, Thrawn thinks he's one, but really Ahsoka is just going to be stronger from here on out because she's got her Padawan with her and they are on the same page. And I just, I love for the, what potential that might bring. Hmm. Yeah, no, this is, I think, I think this is good that we get this moment that Thrawn sort of flexes like, haha, I won. I beat you, um, but obviously more elegant that than than that. Um, I I think it, the the lines are are so well written for Mickelson to just deliver with such confidence and poise. It's just it's perfect. Um, but yeah, the the use of the word Ronin, you know, as we were talking, this this episode has a lot of visual influences from samurai films, from samurai choreography and fighting. Um, this is our first instance, if I'm not mistaken, in in all of Star Wars, where we hear a Japanese word that is from our own world used within. They, they did within use Star daimyo Wars. before as well. Okay, so in Book daimyo of Boba is Fett. as. But I know right, we don't sure. want to talk about Book of Boba Fett, so go ahead. Sure, no, but that's 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 fine. That, yeah. I, I, maybe that again, that's another sense of. Uh, a word that helps to describe a, a leader in a way, but mm -hmm. the idea of a Ronin and, and the idea that there are Jedi's that have operated in that way, that you know, that have operated with that Ronin mentality. I think even that speaks to to Balin to a certain degree. Um, you know, it just it helps to affirm and validate what those inspirations are, and it brings that word into into Star Wars lore as, as being something else, not in relation, obviously, to samurais, but in relation to Jedi. So I really loved it. I just think that it was just a nice way of bridging those two and, and really openly acknowledging the influences of, of samurai storytelling, samurai stories in, into, in, in, into Star Wars. Well, Darcy, you're right. Like the, the definition of the Ronin is that they are uh, alone and, and she isn't. But uh, another part of that definition and, and some of the more expanded definitions of the word um, also talk about the idea of a Ronin being masterless. Uh, usually, uh, you know, as a result of failure. Uh, and so I think that is really, I think, Thrawn's intention here is to just really sting. Like, he found out that it, it was Anakin who was her master, and he is yeah. just, he is digging the knife in. Um, I think he's... Again, yeah. he's even wrong about that still, as we see right here <laughs> in this episode. Sure, so. sure. Um, but I think, I do think, like, I think he's just, he's the perfect antagonist for for a Jedi, um, because of the fact that, you know, Ahsoka mentions how it's not all about lightsaber combat, uh, and that is not, that's not his thing at all. Um, and just Lars Mikkelsen. Oh, okay. Um, let's get to the sequence that, uh, that, uh, maybe a few of us might have a few more problems with. Uh, in our final sequences, we see Sabine and Ahsoka return to the, the, the Noti, uh, who are more than excited to see them. Shout out to those little guys, by the way. Um, just as they arrive, Ahsoka sees an owl in the distance. It's the Morai, uh, her owl companion. Uh, we also see Shin making contact with the bandits, uh, raising her orange saber in the distance. Uh, and then we see Balin walking out on the arm of a massive statue built into the mountainside, a statue comprised of the father, the son, and the daughter of Mortis, uh, though the daughter's statue is destroyed, creating a gap between her and the other two. As Balin quietly looks out onto the horizon, we see a blinking orange light emanating as Balin can't take his eyes off it. Uh, okay, let's let's start off. I think I want to start off with Klein. Um, you know, the Mortis gods are very much there on Peridia. Let's talk about this. I want to hear from your perspective. What's Shin up to? What's Balin up to? What does it mean that Ahsoka saw the Morai? I I interpreted it as being okay. This is Mortis. 
Cool. I like that a lot. Um, I, I know that I know that some people maybe the Mortis gods have been there, but we don't really know what Mortis is. Mortis, it's we, the Mortis arc from Clone Wars. If you're unfamiliar, they appear like appear on this planet, and it's kind of like, is this in their mind? Is it? We don't we we don't know where it is in the galaxy, and so in my head, that's what's happening here. I don't know what it means. Um, I guess the idea would be that Balin is potentially searching to end this kind of cyclical thing of the the father and the daughter and the son kind of always being around mm-hmm. and and possessing that like the father's kind of i guess the balance in between the dark and the light the daughter's the light the son is the dark and him potentially opening his mind and his horizons into that. And I don't know what that means for him once he gets that power, but that seems to be where he is going. Um, as for where we leave Balin and Shin in this episode, I am I am absolutely flabbergasted that this is all we got. I agree. And it just, it's especially, and I know you can't write, you like you can't change things based on outside events, but especially with the Ray Stevenson situation where he was the most interesting part of this show. Mm. To me. Yep. I, I didn't know. I didn't think he would be coming in. He was the best character. He had the best lines. I wanted to know what was going on with him. And then we get this and now knowing like rest in peace, Ray Stevenson. But I'm also sitting here going like, damn, like we missed out on something yep. and I wish they had given us more of it. Yeah. Yeah. What they do with that story. Obviously they're they're gonna i guess have to recast he's a new enough character you might be able to do that uh but and the fact that literally as sabine and ahsoka were leaving the planet i out loud watching this said we haven't gotten any shin or balin yet and then it's and what's with this shin scene i'm gonna raise my saber and turn it on at the raiders and that's it that's done like what does she want to do you know i think i think the thing with shin was like I was like, okay, maybe, and this is me reaching here, which I've done on this podcast before. So Darcy, call me out on my my bullet. Reach Reach away. I I think the only thing I can think of is like the last lesson her master taught her was to exercise patience and also uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So taking those two uh, ideas as the last things that Balin told her that would be the next step course of action for her. Fine. She wants to go and and pursue uh, Ahsoka and Sabine that maybe she knows is back on the planet, uh, but she doesn't. She says, I'm going to exercise patience here. I'm going to build a little army. I just, it didn't, it didn't fully work for me. And a lot of the stuff with Balin didn't fully work for me. And I, I feel like to your point, Klein, there were, it, it felt very much like there were things removed from this episode uh, that we could have gotten more of, and I don't know if maybe they're holding it off uh, for a second season. Maybe they want to 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 you know instead of recasting, they want to find a way to continue to use some footage that hasn't been used. Um, it felt like he wrote the episode. They wrote the episode, and then we're like, oh no, we forgot about Balin and Shin. What do we do? <laughs> I'll just put him in at, at the, the end. end. Like it just sure. It just it felt very thrown together mm, very yeah, very oh we'll throw in some fans thrown, thrown together uh right yeah thrown together darcy you've been you've been uh waiting for a while go ahead yeah i mean i balin makes sense to me again after we saw left him when he lost to ah- ahsoka in the last battle there again he kind of got the idea that he didn't really care about that battle he was 
on to bigger and better things yes. for get Thrawn. Yes. The whole thing about Shin is where, what really irks me because they like he told her to go find your place within the new empire and she was going to return to Thrawn. So what happened that she didn't return to Thrawn? Because right. like the, where Ahsoka scared her. Where's that guess. disconnect? Yeah. Like I'm very confused by that. But, Those naughty slingshots really struck I, your I, god. I, in I guess so. Like, I guess so. I'm but not yeah, going yeah. back. I, the, the only way I can see maybe their story continuing, and I, again, the way that Balin's story left off, they were clearly intending to tell another story on this planet with Sabine, Ahsoka, and Shin and Balin. Correct. But now I feel like they're going to try and scramble to find a way to tell that story, and I feel like one of the ways they could is maybe Balin does get to where he's searching for, but the power overwhelms him he comes one with the force and it's more just the voice in shin's head now or the master guiding her from beyond to continue his purpose like that i feel like is one way they could describe it but again more more explanation as to why shin is still there that was the most confusing thing to me i think shin doesn't trust thrawn i think in that moment that she's left there to face off the jedis and all the stormtroopers are being called back she realizes that thrawn is is pulling a retreat right? And doesn't care. Um, and I think that in a lot of ways, she knows that she can't trust Thrawn. Her, her master has now left her. And to your point, we, we got our sort of send-off, quote-unquote send-off, to Balin's character last week. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm out. Peace. I got to go find this thing. It's calling me. I'm going to go check that out. Y'all just do what you need to do here. And, um, you know, I think Shin in that moment is, is very broken. I, I guess that like I can agree with you guys. There's not enough of an explanation, but um, the one thing about Ivana Sakno, her performance uh, in her facial reaction and the way she kind of conveys emotions, uh, it's been flawless. And even in this moment, it's just like she's broken. Yeah, she's lost. Uh, she doesn't have anything. Her masters abandoned her. The potential for being of a rank of an empire has fleeted away. She's nothing. She's left on this planet. And I think and as a last resort, you know, throwing her saber up is sort of a, 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 to your point, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of mentality and uh, maybe executing some patience. Um, and who knows how that's going to play out in a season two. But I holistically believe that that this series was written always with the intention of a season two and that Balin's story was not to end but to continue, even go further and almost to affirm the reason as to why Sabine and Ahsoka were left on this planet. You know, we see Morai, we see the Mortis gods. There is there is a reason that she's traveled here more than just Thrawn. Um, but this episode really does go back to that singular focus. It just shifts it back and it says, we got to close out this story of what brought Ahsoka here. And, you know, we can continue with what that was. And, and I appreciate the show did that. And honestly, it might not have been much to see Balin just walk out on top of the statue, but it was enough for me to at least get me stoked and excited for what's next. And just a little bit of an affirmation as to what I think he's looking for and what he's on the hunt for. And I'm totally with you. I think that this could be Mortis because the statue of the daughter being broken, that's what happened in uh, the, that, that Mortis arc, those three episodes in Clone Wars. Her statue gets destroyed is almost a foreshadow to her inevitable death. Um, so it's I think that this is a a representation of Mortis years later after Anakin and Obi-Wan and, and Ahsoka had visited it uh so many so many years ago, right? Interesting from, from from this moment. So I think that we're we're on the right track there. I think that it's as with with Balin and Shin in these moments. It isn't where we leave them that I have the issue. I'm not, I don't have the issue with the cliffhanger. Yeah. Like we just we just watched across the Spider Verse, and I think that that did this cliffhanger ending so much so much better 
um, because we started building in those check-ins, I think, a lot earlier. So we felt like we were really running with these characters to the end. I would have almost preferred, and here I am rewriting the series again, had that Shin and Balin breakup happened, maybe they come up over the hillside as Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra are about to, are coming in below the Chimera at the beginning of this episode. They break up. He goes, does his thing. Shin gets scared off, goes, does her thing. I just would have liked to have had more with them. Yeah. more of them in this because at the very end it did feel very much like oh yeah what about these guys right. well it's interesting too because uh, and a few people have noticed this as well and I don't know if it's an editing error uh, or if it has to do with the some of these moments being reorganized um, or if it's just like a continuity thing like um, when Ahsoka gets off the, the howler um, you can see she has two sabers when like she should only have one because one was chopped in half. Like, unless she has more than one on the ship or she, like, quickly grabbed them and repaired them, uh, on you know, in between those moments. It just, to me, it it, I, it just felt like maybe that moment um, of them reuniting with the Noti was meant for another spot uh, in the episode or even her seeing the Morai or, or what have you. I feel like it could have happened while they were floating in space after being dislodged from that hyperspace because mm-hmm. their ship was kind of frozen up there you know they do I, have a huge repository of lightsaber parts and that i think she and i think Yang could have there, there and stuff sure and and i again we also don't know how much time has we don't but, but they do but from, they do right? look, they look very happy like the note are like oh yeah. you're back like we thought you were gone you know what i mean like they have that sense of like oh you know like we we didn't think that you were you know thing and there is a sense of like monumentous sort of like, hey, we're here kind of thing with the ship rising, the T6 and stuff like that. So I think a little bit of time has passed that may be able to justify how she could have fixed her saber because I'm sure she picked up those pieces. It's not like it disintegrated into the air, just split in half. But I don't know if she would have time. It was a very sure. hasty exit as That's the, the only thing crumbling. I don't know. Sure. But again, the, the, the they have more than enough lightsaber parts in that ship. Hu Yang is there. He's Again, he's made so many. They can rebuild it. Yeah, they could rebuild it. And then Disney can sell us yet another lightsaber. Um, But (laughs) I will say, um, I am of two minds of kind of where we're going back and forth in terms of like this this ending for these characters. I think you know, uh, there's there's sort of the side of like, you know, Hollywood is is really rough right now uh and so it's it's super frustrating that we don't have an announcement uh for season two and so you know we to not get a little more as to what Balin was up to or even just another moment of like incredible dialogue and incredible monologue from this character um and then the other side is is of course they're going to do a season two or of course they're going to continue uh these characters in in some way there's no way uh that they that they can't um, because it's it's not only is it Star Wars, but it's it's Filoni Star Wars. So we're gonna get to explore, um, and and we're gonna you know I, I'm excited uh, by that sequence. Like seeing seeing the the Mortis Gods statue was really cool. Like as a fan of the animated stuff, um, and so I, I I you know again I think this this gets me theorizing and, and hoping for the best. I'm incredibly sad still that it won't be through Ray Stevenson that we get to see the the rest of this character brought out probably uh, again unless they use some additional footage um uh, I don't but... I don't think that's I don't think again I don't think that that's how you would approach that I think Klein is on the right path it's like it's a new enough character that you could recast mm-hmm. but you respect that recast the recast is done intentionally to help you know honor and continue what Ray Stevenson did with that character because this character clearly 
I think anyone from that's watched the show is of huge friggin' importance. Yeah. Hmm. And if and 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 anyone who knows Star Wars knows that things like this aren't written necessarily as just a silo. Like there's always the intention of a part two. And that's what this epilogue does, very much like the epilogue of of the finale in, in Rebels. Sure. Right? Where we see these moments sort of manifest themselves in, in a way to help say, this is what's next. So even though there might be an air of uncertainty around whether there's a season two or not, I think that's very much the lens in which people are looking at this finale it's like if there's no season two does this really give satisfactory you know close to some of the biggest biggest and most interesting parts of the show or you know if it is you know there is going to be a season two what's next because i think that there's so much more that's here you know nate and i were talking offline i don't think there's a shadow of a doubt that ray stevenson didn't know in himself as the actor what Balin ends up finding and where he ends up. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Filoni had shared that with him before. And that sort of is built into his his performance and knowing where he was going. But I think part of the reason why we haven't gotten any announcement or any immediacy of any announcement has a lot to do with respecting Ray Stevenson being, you know, having his moment, having this time to shine, celebrating the show. And I think when they can announce something, it'll be after hopefully a strike. Because like you said, Nate, it's, it's all fuzzy right now with this actor strike. It will happen after and maybe with the caveat of a recasting or they may wait to announce that and i think they're going to give real push and real justification as to why they did this recasting and how it's going to respect the performance because honestly to do anything else like cgi or incorporate old footage and then just kill him off that's all such a disservice to the character mm. you're just writing out the character i think the idea the character is so important and his journey is not done and anything that was missing which i just i don't see anything missing from this episode i think that epilogue was just like here's what you can expect for a part two and it was so loose that it was what it was but those characters are going to matter so much more in season two that's what the affirmation was so i don't know it's just it's more or less the lens in which you look at what's next for star wars for sure and i i, I agree with you and then but you know i'm i'm greedy i want i want more um but i think seeing the the more i it really helped me to sort of understand why Ahsoka is so chill uh, being back there. I think her seeing the Morai was the the explanation to her that, hey, you're here for a reason. Uh, and I think that's really what made that shift in her. So I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And then I just want to shout out Kiner's uh, piano score. When Balin is walking out, I got so like Westworld vibes coming on, like the do 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 do. I was like so good. Uh, I think all the music surrounding Balin is probably my favorite uh, of what Kevin and his his family composed for the show. It's just so good. But listen, we got to keep going here. Uh, the Chimera descends towards Dathomir, and we see the Great Mothers kind of like, they're kind of giving like little smirkies. Uh, and then we see the cargo, uh, what looks like thousands of caskets all packed up in rows. Um, so, you know, we've kind of talked about this in the podcast before. Darcy What's in that cargo? Is it troopers? Is it Dathmiri brothers and sisters? Or could it be something else? Well, I think it is Dathmiri brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. and I, I feel like the reason why Thrawn and the Knights Sisters or Great Mothers are working together is for the fact that there is now a power vacuum in the galaxy. They were always butting heads with the Sith and Palpatine in particular, and that's what led to the downfall of Dathomir. And now that the Empire has fallen, there's this new vacuum that the, the, the Dathomir can rise back to power. So I feel like 100% it is something to do with their culture, whether it be it Knight Brothers or Sisters or some other people who are related to Dath Dathomir 
in ancient past. I don't know. Again, these people have been on Peridia for so long. What's to say that they are the same Night Sisters that we know from our galaxy? So yeah, I'm. They're definitely working together for that power vacuum because they again they the the galaxy needs to have something controlling it, and the Night Sisters, are, I think, want to do that. Well, it's interesting because it was predicted uh, by the Bendu. Uh, that Thrawn would be defeated amongst the cold embrace of many arms, and everyone's like, okay, yeah, the Purgle. Um, but I think it's even a cooler idea that maybe it's it's this army. One thing that I was I heard was floating around, people were talking about, like, oh, bring Maul back, bring Maul back. I, I don't want that to happen. As cool as that <laughs> no. could be to get Maul back yet again, <laughs> I think it would it would un- undercut the, the really phenomenal sequence with him and Obi-Wan uh, in Rebels. But I will say... And I don't know if this is possible because I don't know if his body like disappeared into smoke or something. But how insane would it be if we got a live action uh, brother of Maul, Savage Opress? Uh, he in died and came back and was resurrected and died again. But I then he could bring he brought back, back again time. for your live action, Darcy. Come on. I it would don't, actually I don't. Be, it would be the it would be the trinity that he could do with it so it would maybe, be sick maybe i don't know i i feel like this is obviously the biggest clue to thron's master plan you know to resurrect an army of dathomirians that he can um lead as as the new empire or you know with with that foresight and and you know the fact that you know peridia gave him that and he's coming back with a full-on force uh, it does make it does raise a lot of interesting questions about you know what this what this next iteration of of war is going to look like. Yeah, and I also just want to shout out the cinematography here one more time. The Eye of Sion closing in perfectly on Dathomir. I was just like, yo, that is so hot. Like that's so hot. It's it's it's, it's much symmetry. Yeah. Symmetry. That's symmetry. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. much hotter than when the Chimera was having sex with the fortress. Um, <laughs> but, um a mysterious ship lands inside Home One's cargo hall uh, as a night trooper walks out of it. Uh, Hera and the rest of the crew all point their blasters towards him. Chopper <laughs> casually strolls over uh, and the trooper removes his helmet. Hera says, Ezra? And he responds with, hi, Hera, I'm home. We've got, you know, I think we've seen a lot of praise for this reveal. A lot of folks I'm reading online loved this reveal way more uh, than the reveal with Sabine. Uh, Klein, what did you think? Uh, And also, how do you think Ezra snuck off the Chimera? He's Ezra Bridger, (laughs) guys. He's going to figure out a way. That's what he does. But this whole, like, this reunion is, is awesome, just this whole this whole uh, series, I've been wanting like Rebels, Rebels, Rebels. I wanted it to be Rebel season five. Yeah. It was kind of that a little bit, um, but this like specifically this chopper moment. I'm like, this is Rebels. Like this is what I want. <laughs> like, bah, 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 and everyone's got their guns pointed. Uh, I wish Hera and him had mm. hugged. Uh, I thought they did, but then I was told they did not, and I'm upset <laughs> about it. But that was my biggest complaint about this whole thing. Mm. Was that the this and this is where it felt like something was edited awkwardly, because uh, or they as weren't in the same room. Towards, well, they definitely weren't in the same room. Yeah, that much is is clear because they don't embrace. But the fact that as he's walking towards her, they decide to do a wipe cut to the next scene. It's just it felt like there was more to that scene that they didn't 
they they didn't want to necessarily continue with. And to your point, Nate, what you were saying with the other stuff is that, you know, they just decided to to sever that and maybe tackle it in another scene uh, later. But yeah, it, it was weird that you have them sort of standing, you know, directly across from each other, but they don't embrace. There was such a, a mother-son sort of quality to their relationship i was expecting hera to like run to him mm. and like give him a hug and i i was like if that happens i'm gonna lose it like i'm just gonna be bawling my eyes <laughs> yeah out. right and like it, it definitely didn't happen but um yeah it's it to your point client this is just has been a a soft reboot of rebels um and i can't wait till we see the full band back together in the ghost oh, yeah. it's oh, just a matter of time <laughs> bring freddie prince somehow back for like a I, I thought he was coming back somehow. this episode yeah. dude when they did the canon drop i'm like Oh, it's gonna happen. Like, no, it, it, it. <laughs> so actually, I I wasn't so upset with the way that they're the they were walking towards each other. Because again, Hera seeing Ezra means that Ahsoka and Sabine got to where they where he was. But why aren't they there? Like something happened, and that that now part of her family is still trapped in a galaxy completely separated from them. And that's maybe what's on her mind. It's a conflicted reunion. I feel like, because she does know what was lost in order to see him again. I also feel like this is a, like we keep seeing say season two. And I feel like season two refers to Sabine and Ahsoka's story. Whereas a rebels season five or a rebels live action might be focusing more on, you know, the Thrawn threat in our galaxy with the ghost crew getting back together oh to fight God. that threat. I'm okay with that. To me, that makes more sense in trying to, to tell oh, these wow. two stories yeah. that are galaxies apart now two separate stories and then go on from that point. just don't release them at the same time please because there's only no. so much that we can talk about on the internet <laughs> um but uh but yeah the, it was very picturesque like with the ghost in the background i was like this is yes. awesome looking um and him in the stormtrooper it's helm, perfect like it's we've seen ezra yeah. in, in various stormtrooper. Yeah, that is his specialty so many times yeah. he's adding that to the collection a dude like that's sure. gonna be another <laughs> prize on his wall but i think also that yeah I also think he probably got on that ship pretty quickly because he was in the bay of ships. And I think in the back corner, it would, it would see like there. that ship sitting sure. there, but I think he probably put on the guard. You know, we we talked about Thrawn being, unless he did some investigating, but we, unless he did some, we talked about Thrawn being so meticulous that he pays attention to the smallest of things. I actually think he didn't. I don't think Ezra escaped uh, quote unquote. I think he was let go um, simply because, you know, why wouldn't Thrawn want to know where home one is? He, he knows Ezra. He knows he's going straight. Sure. He's, he's dumb enough that he's going to go straight back to, to the New Republic. So, of course, that was, you know, that's a, that's a Thrawn thing to do is to, like, say, well, I'm going to let my enemy go to be able to see, you know, where I, they end up. Yes, except he's not rebel. They're not rebels anymore. They are the they are the Republic. They're yeah. not really hidden. And he's, so I don't think Thrawn needs to be like, show me where they are, because everyone knows. Uh, that's, they true. Are. Yes, that yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. That is true. They are traveling. They the, are the, traveling the fleet, we saw the fleet earlier and they're all together. That is a noticeable fleet. <laughs> the galaxy would be like, they're right there. You can see them. Yeah. <laughs> well, the biggest question, I guess, really is how much did did Ezra gather as intel? Because usually when they do these like stormtrooper switch ups, it's like to gather intel or to you know kibosh something and and whatnot. So did he gather any intel? Obviously, you have to imagine once they made it on the other side and they're closer to Dathomir, he would have probably popped off and just you know flown back to wherever he needed to. But I think he would probably want to lay low and lick his wounds. Like he's he's kind of at a loss. He doesn't have his friends with him, right? He's he he just needs to get back to Hera and and the rest of the the fam, and then he can he can he can reconcile and maybe you know come up with a plan especially if he has info bring that back to Hera and hopefully you know fuel again kind of speed up 
what what is going to inevitably be, uh, you know, if they do a Rebels or if it's another side story within Ahsoka. You know, yeah, I mean, it even makes sense because earlier he said, I, I can only I can't do anything alone. Yep. But now he's got the whole fleet and Republic behind him. That's the perfect opportunity for him to go and bring the fight to Thrawn again with the proper backing. So that's my that's a, my headcanon of that where his story is going. And I hope that comes true. <laughs> that would be that would be pretty incredible if we got uh, an Ezra focused because I think Iman Asandi was fantastic, but we didn't get we didn't get enough of him. I want more. Uh, but yep. speaking of more, let's get to the final part of this episode. Finally. Sabine and Ahsoka share a moment as night falls upon the Peridian planet's surface. Uh, she says, we're almost packed, uh, and Ahsoka tells her she did well. As Sabine doubts that, Ahsoka reminds her that thanks to uh, her, Ezra got home. She says Ezra is where he needs to be and that they are too. She says it's time to move on. Sabine senses something in the distance but says it's just shadows in the starlight. Ahsoka takes one more look, smiles, nods, and turns back to join Sabine. We then see Anakin as a force ghost watching over them uh, as he smiles, uh, and the uh, episode and this season comes to an end. So, Klein, what did you think it means for Ahsoka to have seen, or maybe not seen, maybe sensed uh, Anakin's presence in that final moment? I think it means that that final brick in the wall is, has fallen down, um, that she has, for... A lot of Ahsoka's life at this point, she has kind of thought that Anakin... Well, she she finds out that Anakin's Vader and doesn't blame herself, but also is like, how can how could that turn into mm. this? And so I can never acknowledge even the Anakin side of it. But realizing truly that... And we've had this reinforced to us over and over again in Obi-Wan here in this series that... Anakin and Vader are two yep. different people. Correct. It's yes, it's the same person, but they are they are two different people. And this is her finally accepting it. I also, and I hope to God it means this. I think it means we're getting a lot more hating Hell yeah. yes. in Star mm-hmm, Wars again, mm-hmm. which makes me so happy. Yeah. Like I just the redemption arc of him and Ewan and like we I I said it on Reckless Rebellion last night when we were reviewing this whole thing was we're in a prequels renaissance yes. right now. Um, with these actors that are f- coming back and t- killing it. And so I just, I hope to God we get more Hayden. I hope it's sooner rather than later. I hope he's a big part of whatever season two of this is. Maybe we get him physically there some way through Mortis because he was going to be well, the that's, son. Like that, like, that's, well, he was going to be, I think he was going to be the father. Is who that is, the father, yes. I still think that he is the father. Really? And that, uh, and that Balin, and Balin's the son. I had it the and, other way around. Uh, just because I know, only because Balin talks people... about balance so much that I was like, sure. oh, that makes more sense. Uh, Anakin's already connected with the son, and then she saw the Morai. She's the daughter. I don't know. But he, but the son, but the son also, the son was uh, sorry. The father wanted Anakin to replace him as that sense mm. of balance. But you, you might be right. You, you could, you, it could go either way. You know, the the fact that we see Anakin at, at the end here, which I think, you know. Ahsoka's smile and nod is more of an acknowledgement of his spirit that she sensed next to him, but didn't see that. Mm. And I think that moment is for us as, as the fans, like you said, Klein, to, to kind of acknowledge the sense of conclusion and closure to the story of uh, Ahsoka and her master and her master to the apprentice and, and that, that forgiveness, uh, that hope of seeing what's next um, and, and learning from their failures, right? Like Yoda says in, in The Last Jedi. Um, I think 
in a lot of ways, you're right. I think we're going to see more. If there's a season two, I think this is where we're going to get Force Ghosts Anakin because I don't believe that what we saw in the world between worlds was a Force Ghost Anakin. I think that was, you know, her her perception. And I think here is very much, this is our sort of a validation that a Force Ghost Anakin is going to be of a different persona and you can see his demeanor is entirely different. This wardrobe is entirely different. It's the way we kind of recognize him from from uh, um, uh, the the return Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, it it sort of feels like he has always been with her along these journeys, and he is so happy to see how she has overcome, you know, the sort of turbulence that she has had mm. with his with. The, uh, I just can't believe we're yeah. Here. I know. I, like I I it's yeah. being a like such a big Clone Wars fan and seeing like that character get his due there and that version of the character get his due and and never being able to see that see Hayden interact with Ahsoka to to get that here and then to have these moments like it means a lot like they know what they're doing it's it it is it's really special it's it's Lego GameCube uh Lego Star Wars on the GameCube all over again absolutely (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's funny that you said that you feel like this appearance of the Force Ghost is almost validation that what we saw earlier wasn't, whereas I'm saying it is. Like, I feel like it goes the other way for me because we're seeing Anakin outside of her memories now. Before it was what she remembered him as, and this is what he is now, mm-hmm. and it's his perception of that. But what I think is even cooler is the fact that Sabine is the one who first draws the attention to yeah. him. Mm-hmm. The fact that that almost shows the fact that she is truly a part of this line of Master and Apprentice now that Anakin brought up earlier, where, again, Obi-Wan also was the first one to speak. Like Qui-Gon taught him how to become one with the Force and become a Force ghost well before we saw A New Hope. So the fact that this like this whole thing about Force Ghost being so closely tied to the Master and Apprentice leads me to think that yes, we are getting more Hayden Christensen, and I would almost love to see <clears throat> even you and McGregor coming back as Obi Wan Force Ghost to like to really drop some Master on Apprentice wisdom through the ages type thing because I think that'd be so cool. Just again, let let's give the love to the prequels now because they deserve yeah. it, and all the actors coming back are giving us such feels that I want it to happen every Star Wars show now, well, and the fact that. You know, we're, we're talking about it, right? The Master and the Apprentice. And that's the through line of the series. Uh, the, the fact that Ahsoka mentions, like, Anakin was always by my side. Uh, and even in death here, it's really poetic um, that he's still by her by side. side. Um, and it's just really, really beautiful. Uh, and I also, you know, I know I've been saying it all night, um, but the, the, the music uh, during <laughs> this sequence and into the credits is some of the most beautiful Star Wars music ever. Like, I, I just, I will say, like, um, it's it just really got me welled up after seeing Anakin, and I was feeling it in that moment. Um, and I will also just mention, there's a little nod to Across the Stars, uh, speaking of a John Williams-ism, uh, as Sabine looks out Across the Stars. Uh, and I thought it was just like, it was like one of those moments where I was like, okay, Kevin, like, you know, Flex on us, sure, whatever. You don't have to. We'll see you. But he's just gonna flex <laughs> yeah, exactly. on us one more time just to be like, see what I did. Um, but no, so so phenomenal. Uh, at this point, you know, we we kind of get to the end of the episode, and and I, I want to bring up. Uh, usually, we bring up like some of our out any outstanding. You know, we predict throughout these episodes the entire time. But I like to pretend that we have a prediction segment uh, where we predict what is next uh, in the next episode because we don't currently have a next episode. Though um, I'd love to know what's next for these characters in a segment I like to call I want to know 
<laughs> so Klein, I want Tano. Where do you think we'll see these characters next? I, th- I think it's a bunch of different answers. I have a feeling that we're not just going to get Ahsoka season two and it's going to be all this band of characters, boom, right smack dab mm-hmm. and everything. I honestly think if you want to pick any character from here, I think the next time we see him is probably, I don't think we see them in Skeleton mm-hmm. Crew. I-, I have a feeling that that's going to feel very singular. Yeah. And then at the very end, maybe even in a post credit scene, tie in somehow to the whole Mandoverse cool. of it all. I think Mandalorian season four, I have a feeling that Hera and even Ezra are going to be somehow involved. I think that That's we're going to get my prediction in this series was we were going to get a post credit scene that was almost like Nick Fury at the end of Iron Man, but with Hera calling Zeb being like, hey, guess what? Ron's back and Zeb going, oh, I know a guy. Um, <laughs> he didn't and, Mandalorian. Hearing, no hearing yeah. the Mando oh. theme kick in or whatever. I have a feeling that that is what Mando season four is going to be. Is it's gonna we're gonna get some of these adventures that Mando thinks he's on, doing his kind of save the village things, and then we're gonna get the call and it'll be some general or it'll be from Zeb and like, hey, from we Fulker, heard about man. something. Bring can you Fulker. come? Can can you come and help us? Um, and we're, cause we need to start right now. This is the first kind of step. The Mandoverse movie ball is now mm-hmm. rolling. Like it was slowly being inflated throughout the first three seasons of Mando, but now we are officially on the path towards that. And so we've got to start moving the pieces into place to get there. So I think Mando season four, and then obvious like, Ahsoka season two is going to it better when, <laughs> yeah, when the studios can get their stuff yeah. together and give these actors a decent deal it's going to happen it has to because we can't we can't i don't think we can get to the mandoverse movie with sabine and ahsoka on Mm, Peridia. i agree no there has to yeah there has there has to be more that needs to happen like i honestly don't see this movie coming out till at least 2030 Mm. right like you know what i mean like in that that's that's six, which is crazy because some people thought it was going to be the first. I I don't think it's going to be the first. I think it's I think that they're really going to lean heavy in the series stuff to kind of f- flush out a lot of the stuff to build it towards. And like we've been saying, like this this season has been written with the intention of a season two, and who knows what else, right? And now that there's all these new characters that we've now been introduced from this series that are at play, like to your point, do they do a Rebels sort of spinoff series that allows them to focus on the Thrawn stuff while? Or do we get a Rangers of the New Republic reinvented with well, these Paul, rebels? If they do, characters? I think Paul Sung Lee would be the let's go would be the lead. lead. I think yeah. they should oh, definitely yeah. mix they them in, that. bring should, Hera yep. in, have Ezra yep, there. I'm down, do like I'm down for that. Yeah. I think they, they could, could do totally it. do it. I think that was maybe the plan. well. They were that with um, Kara. Before. Yeah, with Kara doing before yeah, she before. got a little uh, sideline stuff with, on, with Twitter, on Twitter. Darcy, Darcy, I want to know. Do you have any ideas as to where we see these characters next? Well, again, I've kind of dropped my my clues for all the other, for most of the cast, but I was saving my big Thrawn one because I feel like he's the one that again I have the most connection to. I love the original trilogy of books, and I love the new reiteration. Both trilogies did both, just the Thrawn original series and Thrawn Ascendancy or Alliances, whatever it was. The three that came after it are incredible. I feel like his we're seeing basically the birth of the Sith eternal. I mean, red is so prevalent in there. And the fact that there are these massive shifts that are hiding somewhere else. I think they're that the Sith eternal is what's going to come from Thrawn's bringing the night sisters back. I mean, we kind of got the hint of that with the red tape on the, on the stormtrooper armor already kind of saying they're going that direction. 
but I feel like he isn't trying to control the galaxy as we know it. I feel like, again, and if you read the books, he has a problem with the Chiss ascendancy, where he comes from. And I feel like maybe he's trying to, he was sent here to gather intel on, you know, other powers that might be a threat to the Chiss ascendancy. And I think he's seeing an opportunity with the Empire to find a weapon to overthrow the ascendancy and rebuild it in his image. Because, again, Thrawn's goal has always been big picture, even when we saw him in Rebels and stuff like that, him working for the Empire was a means to an end that we still didn't know. And I feel like this whole thing is for him to fight back against his people because he disagrees with so many things that they do. So, Interesting. I mean, I would love to see that fleshed out either in another book series by Timothy Zahn or if we get it live action, that'd be even better. All I know is that Thrawn's story isn't over and we still don't know what his whole reason for working with the Empire is. And I can't wait to find that out. Hmm. And how does it get us to where we go, too? That's yeah. what's so fascinating because it's like this isn't on the end of the saga. Like we have. We know where we know it goes. Where yeah. yeah. We know what happens we 20 years from are, now. Yeah. Right. We have to. We have to. Whether we like it or not, we have to get to Exegol at the very end of the Rise of Skywalker. How do we get there? And what what does Thrawn. Because he can't just happen in a vacuum. That's the thing. They have to make it all make sense. And they have to rope it in somehow, some way, and men, like create some connective tissue. So I'm. that's like my biggest question is how do we go from Thrawn, who Thrawn experts are like, oh, he, he might not be working for the Empire. He's got his own thing going on. But then how do we get to the First Order? How do we get to a stadium of weird undead sith people i guess chanting palpatine's name like well, how do we get there i think Fil- that's what feloni's doing somehow is, is palpatine returned guys, okay <laughs> somehow palpatine returned justin i want to know how, how did palpatine return no what are your thoughts <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, on where we see these characters next well just even to go with that i think resurrection this whole thing it it is laying a groundwork beyond just cloning but the idea of how that might play into it uh, you know, we'll we'll see how it all works out. But yeah, I think I think it's like I've been saying the entire time. There, this 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 show is written with the intention of a season two. I think there's things that are holding it back from having the announcement, uh, and a lot of that has to do with an actor strike and also I think the passing of Ray Stevenson. Mm-hmm. So I think they're allowing some time. But if you're at Disney, if you're at Lucasfilm, you've watched all these episodes already. Right. And even if they decided to make changes in light of of Ray Stevenson's passing, I don't even think they did. I think they said this is some of his best work. Let us put this out as his final, final testament to his acting. And it it hit really, really well. And they've seen I'm sure they're seeing all of this fan reaction and they know a season two is definitely going to pop off when they announce it. So it's it's just a matter of, of, you know, when they'll announce it. But that said, like the things that you guys are talking about, you know, exploring some of these new characters in other series. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I'd like to see, you know, I would love to see some overlap into Skeleton Crew or into Mando season four. Um, I, I, I think that we're far out from a movie. I think the TV shows need to do more with establishing, to your point, uh, uh, Klein, like how do we get to uh, First Order? And I don't think that the movie is going to actually be that sort of cataclysmic that this is now the transition to First Order. But I think whatever this big movie moment is meant to be working towards i think at the end of that we're going to start to see the next part of the story that will lead us to the first order and that's going to really hit you know whenever whenever that drops but the tv shows the tv series definitely have to 
fill in the gap, add a lot more, and and I'm I'm excited to see how 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 when it'll happen. But I guess Ahsoka season two would probably be the likeliest of when they'll come back. Well, if we if we do get a season two, which they have to do, or or maybe they do a, a season called Sabine, right? Or or it is the next season of Rebels in live action. I don't care. Just keep them going. Um, I'm honestly okay. I'm honestly okay with holding off on more Mando. Uh, if it means we get these like characters this. and this new galaxy yeah. sooner, um, I can only go. And I love, I love Grogu. So trust me, it's that's a big deal. Um, I can only go off of what I previously thought for for Balin, uh, and that's I think that's you know he's gonna find a way uh, back. He mentioned in one episode back to the beginning, uh, and I mean the very beginning. I think whatever he's trying to do, I think goes back. Uh, to the first Jedi, back to uh, uh, Mangold's uh, new movie. I think when... I'm telling you, listen, here's the thing. So, like, Darcy and I were at Star Wars Celebration, and we're cheering. We're we're hyped up. We're we're having a great time. And they're like, we're announcing three, you know, new movies. One from James Mangold, uh, showing the earliest, you know, past that we've ever seen. Uh, one from Filoni. Yeah, Dawn of the Jedi. One from Filoni, connecting everything he's done with animation and live action. Uh, and one from Charmino Bay Chinoy with Daisy Ridley, which, you know, I think we assume will be the the you know the future past the sequel trilogy with that movie right um but i don't think for one moment anyone in that audience thought that these three movies could be so closely connected due to when they take place on the timeline but this ending and and this sequence and this stuff with balin and the way he's talking it has me completely convinced that those movies were announced together for a bigger reason, right? And then whatever Balin is doing is what ties all of it together, which I think is so cool. The fact, the idea that 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 Filoni's like, hey, you know all that stuff from the past and all this stuff that he's finding a way to, again, take from the nostalgic past and reinterpret it in new ways uh, with even new characters that we weren't expecting. Um, so I, I really do think that those movies um, are going to be kind of a, a bigger tying point for whatever's going on uh, with Balin. And then just really quickly, I will just say, I think a, a guaranteed thing is Sabine and Shin, I think, will form some sort of relationship or bond over the idea that they both had a master abandon them. Of course, Sabine is at a better place with Ahsoka now, so she'll be able to kind of talk to Shin and be like, Shin, listen, like we you know it it, it there is a, a possible light at the end of the tunnel but i also love the idea and and this isn't the idea of of no disrespect to the character or obviously to ray stevenson's legacy but the concept of shin starting to reach that light and then seeing her master die and then that being stripped away from her and she just goes full blown dark side I think would be freaking awesome. So that's that's my only other uh, want to know theory that I wanted to throw out. Mm-hmm. And just you mentioned the Dawn of the Jedi, and I realized that's another time we might possibly see Hu Yang. I mean, he oh, mentioned yeah. he's been around forever. It is canonized that he showed up at the Jedi Temple thousands of years before the story we, we know in a blue box, very Doctor so Who. Good. That's why he's Doctor Hu Yang. But I mean, that'd be cool to see oh. a Hu Yang that. We've experienced his some of his timeline get sent back mm. in order to help build the Jedi thing, maybe as a result of what Balin does. Again, I, I yeah, it'd be cool to see. I mean, just give me more Hu Yang. I'm trying. I, I'm, I'm I'm grasping now. I want more Hu Yang. Yeah. I I wonder though if if it's not 
directly associated to what Balin's doing, but indirectly. Like okay, when he talks sure. about getting back to the beginning, then we have the James Mangold story to help tell us about the beginning. Mm-hmm. And like when we talk about like the threats that might come off of the fall off of, of Filoni's movie, then that's dealt with in the, you know, the, 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 the movie that with it stars Ray, right? And and what's happening post sequel trilogy? Like I'm wondering if there's there's a way that they're interconnect. Because I'm I'm imagining that Filoni is definitely he's involved in all of this and he's probably helping in in certain ways, but he's still allowing because there's just such a collaborative uh, uh, presence behind Lucasfilm that everyone's really in charge of of what they do and 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 there's other people that are obviously higher ups, but. You know, they, they're giving these filmmakers these opportunities to tell these stories in this sandbox and they want their best, the best work and they want these people to do their best work and feel comfortable to do it. Right. The whole question is, is where does Taika Waititi's movie fit in? If it even <laughs> you mean, so, the, if, if Taika Waititi's mean, movie you, you mean the chopper uh, buddy cop with Hu Yang movie where they go on an adventure and <laughs> Hu Yang tries to stop He's Chopper wrong. from murdering everyone. Uh, but uh, but bringing it back to this episode uh, and this series, I want to get to our final thoughts and score for uh, this episode and series. Uh, we're going to be rating this episode on a scale of one to five masters. Uh, and then for the series, uh, I'd like you to also give your rating on a scale of one to five apprentices. Uh, and so, Klein, I'll have you uh, kick us off. So my overall thoughts... I think Ahsoka was a success. Um, I, I, just as much as I wasn't a huge fan of the way that it ended, I really enjoyed my time with this series. This is definitely one of the best Disney Plus Star Wars projects that they've done. Uh, I don't think it is the best just because Andor exists in a just different stratosphere mm-hmm. to what anyone else is doing in this franchise right mm-hmm. now. So episode-wise, I'd probably give this a three. Uh, three out of five masters. I just... Uh, the ending really, really soured the whole experience on me. There's just I did not, and I just I I did not enjoy how hasty it felt. Series wise, though, I'm gonna give the whole thing a four. I I loved um, Ahsoka, and there are moments in here that I'm gonna remember for forever. the The middle of this series, particularly, is <sighs> really special. Episode three, four, five is so good. Um, the beginning I thought was was good. It felt like more rebels. We were back in the saddle. It felt great. But for me, the middle of this was like the middle three episodes are five out of five near perfect Star Wars uh, installments. But yeah, so I'm doing a three for the episode and a four for the whole thing. Darcy. Yeah, well, I mean, I really enjoyed this finale. It, it again sets up a lot of potential like really cool stories and potentials for these stories to be told in the future of star wars and while i was upset with how they handled and again morgan with her kind of quick rise to power and then a very unceremonious death and then again the way they handled shin at the end there without really acknowledging how she ended up where she was kind of brought down the score for me but other than that the like again you've brought up the music so many times nate but the music was incredible in this episode the moments we did get with the uh, the fight scenes both you know before they got to the fortress and after i feel like a lot of those action moments were really hitting for me so i'll be giving the episode 4.5 out of 5 masters uh, and as the season i mean it's not gonna be very far off that score either because uh, like Klein was saying this is some of the best live action star wars you've gotten that really feels like star wars with the lightsabers and the starfight and everything about this felt so cool the, the introduction of these new characters some new ship designs and those again those the the, the 
starfighters that Shin and the, the guys are using to chase down Ahsoka are some of the coolest designs. The way they sound and look like old Spitfires just... That really speaks Star Wars to me, you know, in, inspiration from these classic, you know, machines of death that they're kind of do, do, doing a fun fantasy spin on in space. And I, I love that the way that we're getting a lot of those, you know, callbacks to the war stuff, then also to the samurai films and everything throughout the series. So, again, strong series, easily one of my favorite Star Wars. Andor is still the best, but this one is a close second to me. Uh, I'll be giving it 4.5 out of 5 apprentices for the season. Love it. Justin, how about yourself? Well, I, I think as we've been talking, I, it's quite clear. I thought this finale was great because it masterfully blends a, a closure to one story and and leaving things open on the other on the other side. You know, it, it kind of concludes one chapter while igniting excitement in I think what we can anticipate to be countless adventures in this galaxy um, and, and both both galaxies for that matter. You know, the episode featured outstanding choreography and I love the high stakes situation with zombified stormtroopers. I think that was just so suspenseful and atmospherical. It, it felt very uh, different while still feeling inherently Star Wars. I don't know if that's corny to say. Um, and I think the fight sequences were executed with such precision. The choreography really calls out the samurai inspirations and qualities of Star Wars. It's it's crazy. Um, but much like last week's episode, I, I really like this episode because of its ability to subvert expectations. You know, rather than attempting to resolve every narrative thread introduced throughout the series, it stays laser focused on the singular story that brought our heroes to Peridia. Uh, and, you know, that decision kind of adds more emotional depth and weight to Sabine's role and, and, and Ahsoka and their journey together and really highlighting their importance through this, this series. So I really did enjoy that. And as we were mentioning, you know, this episode, as well as the series, very much features so much Star Wars-isms, and this episode had a lot of them, and it's just such loving callbacks. And again, it's just a way the show lovingly calls back and brings in nostalgia while also giving us something new. Um, you know, I, I didn't like how Morgan was treated uh, in this last episode. I think she should have give, been given a little bit of a better outcome. I would have liked to have seen more of her in future stories um but that said you know the moments that we did have with her while they were short-lived they were great so you know that's the only negative but i think the again the, the finale just delivered on on closing a story by leaving the door open for so many more adventures i I'm, I'm very excited for what that future looks like and you know i think it has a lot to do with my in my mind watching this and the entire time i'm watching it like oh there's a season two there's definitely a season two that is my my uh, my my kind of perception of as i watch this so for for this episode i'm going to give it a a 4.5 out of five uh masters uh pretty high up there um as for the series I, I gotta say this has been the single best addition to star wars the star wars universe you know apart from andor it's it's different as you were saying klein it's entirely different but it's one of the most consistent pieces of star wars content like andor and it really comes from filoni's dedication and passion you know for this franchise and, and storytelling that shines through this series. I, I think it's it's remarkable uh, that we as Star Wars fans get to watch this and see this. It's it's a renaissance of the Clone Wars. It's a renaissance of of Rebels. It's, it's so many things wrapped up into one. And what really makes Ahsoka special is just how they were able to bring back all of these additional characters while still staying focused 
on Ahsoka and her journey, you know, like we were talking about, that central theme of forgiveness is so beautifully explored through Ahsoka's interaction with her past and present, her relationship with her Padawan, Sabine, and her former master, Anakin. It just adds such emotional depth to give a sense of closure to one side of Ahsoka and, and you know, really open up what's next for her at the same time with this with the finale. The cast, you know, we've talked about throughout this Watch Club uh, at different points fantastic uh it was great to see these live action adaptations of the characters that we know and love from animation but we also got some new characters with shin hati uh played by ivan osakno uh but as we've been discussing throughout this watch club for this to be ray stevenson's last performance before he passed is unbelievable it's a shame he isn't here to see how much people loved what he did with the character but i believe the work that he did here will find a way to be continued in the future when the team at Lucasfilm can figure out how best to proceed. It's so clear, though, that Balin Skull was of immense importance to the future of Ahsoka's journey. So I'm, I'm saddened, but I'm also excited to know what is next. But with that, another fantastic part of this series is its ability to excel in delivering the quintessential Star Wars fantasy experience. You know, you were talking about it before, uh, Klein. You know, Andor showcases that political thriller aspect of the universe. Ahsoka definitely delves into that fantastical side, that scary, spooky horror side as well, even with this finale. It's introducing us to so many new characters, new threads, and threads that I, I honestly believe are far more spiritual. Like there was always a spiritual touch to Filoni's work and here it really is driven home. That spirituality and, and magic and, and witches play a, a larger part in this Star Wars galaxy. And I think that there's just such a balance of adventure and spiritual exploration throughout this. So I think the series is a triumph. It's a testament to Filoni's dedication. Um, and I think for fans, this is a huge win for Star Wars. It reaffirms so much about the animation and that it, it really does hold value um, in the larger Star Wars story. So I, I gotta give this this a five out of five. I, I loved this. This was my one of my favorites in relation to uh, Andor. They're both up there, as but they're just on different tiers they're in different galaxies well yeah exactly it's totally and i think the lenses <laughs> of those galaxies so yeah long-winded five out of five i, I loved it oh, i love it i love it um yeah the the finale i think i was blown away uh up until the last eight minutes of the episode uh i think i think this episode has some of the best cinematography and choreography that in the entire series uh, i think it all happened in a lot of it happened in this episode um, great character moments for Sabine and Ahsoka in this one, and Lars, Lars, just some incredible mic drop moments uh, with Thrawn. Uh, Morgan was the best that we've seen her all season, uh, and I think the excitement of seeing something new, uh, like like troopers coming back to life, uh, I think was a lot of fun. But um, but yeah, I, I struggle with the last few sections of the episode that just to me. It just didn't give me what I wanted from Balin and Shin. Okay, if we're gonna if we're gonna boil it down to just being greedy Star Wars people, I, I'll admit it. I'm a greedy Star Wars person. I just wanted more from those characters. However, I can justify it, I will. Um, but uh, but I will say, um, you know, I think we don't fully know the plans for the next part of this story, uh, which can be frustrating. But I I, I trust in the Force. Uh, that is Dave Filoni to eventually find a way to continue these characters in a satisfying way. Um, I think this show felt, you know, this this show felt more like a um, a Rebels series than a, a wholly focused episode, you know, sort of show of 
uh, Ahsoka. But I think this episode, like you said, Justin, sort of said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna now bring it right back uh, to the title character of Ahsoka. Uh, and I think they landed for the most part. They landed the ship uh, with that final sequence, uh, and of course, more Hayden Christensen. How can you how can you complain? Even if he's just standing there looking pretty, he's 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 amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> Glowing. He's so <laughs> handsome. He's glowing. He, he, yeah, he literally was uh, glowing. Uh, and I think, you know, with the, the whole concept of master and apprentice, the more I think about those final moments, the more I'm, I'm okay with where we're leaving uh, those characters. Um, so, I, you know, I would have loved to, know, to, to, to learn just a little bit more from one of the best characters and probably one of the best performers on the show. Um, but I will practice patience, like he says, uh, and I'm going to give this finale a four out of five masters for the series um i mean you guys already said a lot that i'm gonna chime in with of course like it doesn't have to compete with andor you know what i mean like if we're gonna be making those lists of like best star wars thing it's 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 you know it's it's nintendo it's nintendo switch and ps5 like we're not putting them on the same plane here um yes they're different products so yeah Yeah. so you know we've i I think the thing that i love about this and filoni just shows he's flexing the ability to do the fantasy side of star wars in an elevated way that hits just as hard as the moments uh within the films um it's not perfect this series I, i i think but but it does so much right that there are so many moments that will live in Star Wars infamy. Um, before watching the finale, I actually turned on the first episode just to watch the moment with Balin in the hallway. I was just like, yo, like it's so good. It hits so hard. Um, episodes four and five, like you said, Klein, favorite episodes of the season. They're perfect. The pacing, the battles, the character growth for Ahsoka and her experiences highlighted in her memories are moments that I'm never going to forget. The the smoke being there and you just see little young snips and you just see one clone trooper in live action running towards the screen. I'm just like, it's it's ingrained in my brain and it's her memories are now mine and I love it. Um, so I adored so much of the show, the production design, the cinematography, the fight choreography as we haven't been able to stop talking about and the music. Come on. Kevin Kiner is right up there with Ludwig. He's right up there with Nicholas Brattel uh, as some of the best music on any Disney plus series, not just star Wars um, performances. Rosario Dawson. Come on. Like I, I, I know some people kind of are going back and forth. I think that, what worked so well about her performance is that she started closed off. You talked about those walls, Klein. She started that way, and then she we we really got that snips uh, in the back end of this series. And I think Rosario did a great job emphasizing that. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I think there were moments where she felt really Hera when she was trying to defend her family. When she's talking about you know the passion and the love that she has for her found family, that's when she was most Hera. Uh, you know, we'll see how she maybe Hera's out in the future. Um, Natasha Leo Bordizo, I think for me looked like Sabine incredibly. I go back and forth on her throughout the series. Um, David Tennant, as we talked about, uh, just who Yang is just incredible. Iman Esvani looked and sounded so much like Ezra. Hayden Christensen, uh, you know, like Klein said, just just keep giving us Hayden. Give us a Force Ghost series of just Hayden, just on the screen the entire time, just talking and walking around and doing stuff and doing lightsaber battles. Um, I just thought he was so good. I think this is some of my favorite moments of him as the character of Anakin. Uh, and yeah, Lars Mikkelsen as Thrawn is, is incredible. Um, but I think, I think, yeah, um, Ray Stevenson, I think is, is just, 
he's one of the best Star Wars villains that we've gotten in a really long time. Uh, and he's going to be remembered for what he gave us in the show and his performance. So, yeah, so many, so many more hits than misses. So I'm with you, Justin. Uh, I'm going to give this a five out of five apprentices. Uh, fantastic job, Dave Filoni. Now just give us, give us more, more Star Wars. Uh, but that is it for this Watch Club for Star Wars Ahsoka Part 8. Uh, and that's it for this Watch Club in general. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or your predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, if you want to tell us what did you think of this ending, you know, do you want to tell us maybe uh, what you thought of the series overall? Um, well, let me just turn into a Force ghost and smile at Justin so he can feel my presence and let you know how you can reach us. <laughs> they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on the app formerly known as Twitter at GeekcentricYT or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. And if you want to join in uh, to our Discord and tell us maybe where you think these characters are going next, uh, we do have a channel open up for Ahsoka uh, that we're going to keep open for for the next little bit uh, until people maybe stop talking about it. But how could you ever stop talking about this show? Um, so definitely, if you want to join our Discord, you can do so through the link in our description. Klein, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a bit of a longer episode than we normally do for these watch clubs, but it's the finale, and we've got Klein here. Um, so, Klein, I want to know, for, for all our lovely listeners uh, who aren't already following you, how can they keep up with you? Uh, you can find me everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, at TheKleinFelt. That's T-H-E-K-L-E-I-N-F-E-L-T. And as I said off the top, thedirect.com, I'm writing over there, podcasting every single day. Spider-Man 2 review coming out Monday, October 16th. That's my big Woo. thing right now. Look for that. Very excited to share that with the world. Um, and yeah, just did an interview about One Piece live action series a couple weeks ago. Coverage from that still coming out. So yeah, The Kleinfeld. That's where you can find me. Everything I'm doing. Podcasts, Reckless Rebellion, Controller Club. Come say hello. We have fun as yeah. well. Klein, everything you just mentioned just ticked all the boxes for everyone sitting here on this podcast right now. You mentioned One Piece, Darcy sits up. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You mentioned Spider-Man, Justin sits up. Uh, and so, yeah, super stoked this to see. This is my first exposure for One Piece, and I'm in. I, have, I've I love started, it. I am, I I've love started it. the anime. I am in. I am ready to go. I'm going to be King of the Pirates. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Love it. Amazing. <laughs> um, fantastic. Well, we'll be sure to have all the links uh, for how you can continue to keep up with Klein's work uh, in our description as well. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest. Uh, you know, some of the summer releases out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews uh, for The Creator, uh, Expendables 4, I Am Groot Season 2, Star Wars Ahsoka Episodes 1 and 2, Only Murders in the Building Season 3, which just had its finale, by the way. It was really good. Go watch it. Uh, and, uh, of course, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Plus, we have a ton of great interviews that you can go back and watch with all sorts of Star Wars folks, including the director of this very episode, Rick Famuyiwa, uh, as well as Hayden Christensen himself, Anakin Skywalker. Justin had a chance to talk to him uh, and to talk to him about uh, being a, a father in Star Wars, which, you know, kind of works along with some of the themes uh, of Ahsoka. And I think you even do talk to him about Ahsoka in that interview. Yeah, we talk right? about the watching animated in relation to understanding where Anakin is uh, as Vader. So just uh, super dope. Know, it's cool that he actually did that. You know, he watched. All that. Yeah. Of course. Um, but yeah, you can check those out, you know, either through your podcast service of choice or over on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. It's going to be a lot to talk about as we we start to, you know, the hot geek summer has fully embraced the cozy geek fall. 
Uh, we've got some spooky reviews, some spooky Canadian-centric uh, review coming up. Uh, you know, we'll hint at that. Um, and we also have yet another watch club, uh, which, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about uh, Loki season two. Uh, Klein, are you, are you on the Loki train yet? Have you, have you dived into season two yet? I have, I had, I was, I've just like you guys, I saw four episodes <laughs> oh. and it's, you got your, y'all are in for a yeah. treat. Oh yeah. <laughs> it oh, is. Yeah. It's an experience. It can feel like drinking from a fire hose at times, <laughs> but it is an experience. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yes. We'll all be drinking from the, the fire hose for sure. Um, we're going to be covering that series because we've have seen, as, as Klein mentioned, all four episodes. We aren't going to do our traditional watch club for that. We are going to cover sort of as a four episode recap. Once episode four drops on Disney plus, then we'll be moving Moving to episode five and episode six uh, after their episodes release. Um, other than that, um, yeah, let's just sorry, <laughs> Justin's trying to give me show notes here. Uh, <laughs> other than that, let's uh, let's wrap up. Uh, Klein, Darcy, Justin, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club, and as we say, for possibly the final time, maybe there'll be a season two. Uh, but let's go ahead and say it here: We, we are. are. No, no Jedi. Jedi.